is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There's only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's, that's it. One more. Get arrested. No. They saw your team. Put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? They play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouths. Can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. You're a never was. Holy smokes. Week number three of the NFL starts tonight. And we have a good one. The Cleveland Browns versus our, well, not mine, but everybody else's, Pittsburgh Steelers. Remember, you can call us at 631. What is it, Speedy? 631-672-3108. That is right. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy Petey, what is up, man? Well, I guess I'm unofficially with the Steelers tonight because I have three fantasy players of the Steelers tonight in our league with the Beeve. I have their tight end, Fryermuth, Deontay Johnson, and their defense. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Well, I don't have anybody on the Steelers. I have one and only one, and that is Nicky Chubby Wubby Was a Bear. Yes. We got Nick Chubb, who had three touchdowns against the Jets and over 100 yards. And really helped me win last week. And this is an important week. I expect to knock off Anthony, a.k.a. Eilers, the Beavs' brother. So I'm looking forward to this. Uh, This is a big week for me. So looking forward to it. But anyways, we have a great show lined up for you guys. At 9.30, we'll be talking to Fox Sports NFC East reporter Ralph Vacciano. Yes, Vacciano. He'll be joining us looking very very spiffy, as he always does on TV. So looking forward for Mr. Vacciano for joining us. Uh, 10 o'clock, we'll be talking to IBW. What is this? IBWAA. Why do you AKA, put this? AKA why, the, uh, the, the... Why do you put this in abbreviation? It doesn't make International sense. Baseball well, Writers that would Association. Be, that would be easier saying really? that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> International Baseball Association. We'll have him on. Writer and hot... Eskenia? What, what? Yes. Speedy, what is this? Why it's do you have podcast. it set up? I understand that. Why can't you make it easier? Why does it have to be all this long crap that doesn't help me? Podcast host, Sean Negron. Uh, Sean is uh, a friend of the show. I've known Sean for a very long time, uh, so he'll be joining us. But I, I don't understand Speedy with this this long list of crap. That doesn't make sense. Just tell me, podcast, a.k.a. Yankees writer, um, and host Sean Negron. That, that would be easy, but you make it so difficult. Um, we're going to get into the Celtics and their head coach problems. And it, I wouldn't say it's, it's a problem. I, I don't understand why the Celtics are making this a big problem. But I'm a Uduko, uh, the likely, likely going to be suspended for the full season for the, from the Boston Celtics, uh, having a, a relationship with an with a team employee and violated the Celtic code. So uh, we will get into that a little bit later in the show. Robert Sarver is now selling the Phoenix Suns, following the racist remarks, and he's also selling the uh, 
Uh, what's the Mercury, Phoenix? Yep. Mercury, Mercury as well. So uh, he's taking bids right now. So we'll get into that. And I, I, there's reasons why I don't know why he's doing this, but uh, we will get into this a little bit later in the show. Former Seahawks defensive players KJ Wright and Richard Sherman say that Russell Wilson got special treatment from yours truly. I'm just kidding, not me, but <laughs> Pete Carroll. Uh, and I believe this is true, and I, I believe that's a, there's a lot of reasons behind why a lot of these defensive players decided to leave when their contracts were up. Uh, Jerry Jones says he will welcome a quarterback controversy between uh, Cooper Rush and uh, Dak Prescott when Dak Prescott returns. What is he, nuts? I, I mean, <laughs> It's Jerry Jones. Of course he's nuts. Uh, I, that is a terrible take by Jerry Jones. Cooper Rush? Are you kidding me? Why? Because he beat the Bengals? By what? One? By three points. I mean, seriously. Oh, man. Kenny Galladay frustrated that he only played two snaps against the Panthers on Sunday. Uh, didn't speak to the media on Sunday either. So, uh, uh, And we'll go through our week three picks. There's a lot to get into. Uh, so why don't we get into we'll, – we'll, at the end of the show, we'll do all football. So we'll get into the Celtic thing first. And then we'll get into, and then the rest is really football. Really is. Here's the thing. Now, if anybody hasn't heard this story, and this really broke this morning, this story, about 15 hours ago, this story broke out, broke that I'm a Uduko, uh, Uduko, I'm sorry, the head coach of the Boston Celtics was possibly going to be suspended. By the team because he was having an employee relationship and it violated team code. Now, I don't know if Coach is married. I don't know anything about his background. I don't know if he has children. Is he married? I'm not sure, but he's dating some actress, Nia Long. I'm not sure who that is, but she, he's dating an actress. So, so then he's not married. Her. So he's not married. <laughs> yeah. So if he's not married... He's not committing adultery. Why are they suspending him? Now, I don't know if he did anything that could get him into trouble legalized when it comes to police or the authorities. I don't know where this story and how far this story is going to go if he is suspended for the full season. Has it been Ruled that he is going to be suspended yet? Uh, the team is likely to suspend him. It's not the NBA itself. It is the team. I, I understand that. But He yes, violated it looks Celtic like, code. Yes, it looks like he will be suspended for the entire season. Not an official ruling yet. And you're right. There's nothing criminal yet. It just was an inter-off. Inter- if it's not criminal, yeah. why are they suspending him for the season? If you want to suspend him for 10 games, you want to suspend him for 20 games. You just went to the NBA Finals. You have one of the best young coaches in the NBA. And you're going to decide before the season starts. What is it? A, a month away from the season's beginning. To fire this guy? I'm, I'm not fire. Suspend this guy for the season? It doesn't make sense. And, and by the way, why did this just come out? This has been going on all season last year. How did this just come out a couple of weeks before preseason? Now, either somebody ratted him out. Or the team was investigating it for the last couple of weeks, maybe a couple of months, 
And then it broke by a reporter because somebody from the organization obviously brought it out or spoke about it to somebody. Now, I understand, and and I've seen this many, many times, somebody in the organization has a big mouth. I know this because I'm a New York Jet fan. And over the years, Rex Ryan era, all the different coaches, and I can name Bill Parcells and all the amazing coaches we've had under the helm for the New York Jets. And somebody in the organization ratted out maybe a coaching staff, something the coach said about a player, and then it hit the media, and then the media broke it, and then everything crazy started to happen. Players started to lash. Coaches started to get fired. We've seen this before. Now, why is it that a coach this successful in his first year who did nothing wrong, let me tell you, he is not married. He doesn't have a relationship. I mean, I mean, you have a girlfriend. I, I've seen many people cheat on their girlfriends. This, is, this isn't new. We're here in America. Look what Adam Levine is dealing with right now. He's all over social media, ladies and gentlemen. He's not even going on, on tour with his band. His band's going on tour, and he's laying back. The lead singer of Maroon 5. Because he cheated on his wife, not once, not twice, not three, four times. With four different ladies, or women, or young ladies. So why is it that a man who's not married, Adam Levine is married, who's not married, getting attacked by the media, getting attacked by his own team. This isn't the Army. We're not in the Marine Corps. There is no committed adultery in any piece of this story. Unless he raped this girl, which it doesn't seem like he did. Why is it a big deal? Now, I understand if he was beating up a girl, he put his hands on a woman, he was touching a woman, like Isaiah Thomas. We all know the Isaiah Thomas story. The stuff that we heard, the despicable things Isaiah Thomas did behind closed doors. None of this, of that, even remotely comes together. There's nothing. There is nothing about this story that should tell me that the Celtics should suspend their coach, Speedy. Yeah, I think right now where it's at, there's a lot of information that's unknown. I think the Celtics are not officially releasing the ruling just because they don't know that yet, but it seems likely that that's going to be the case. They still haven't figured out who the female staffer was at the moment. There's been tips given out so far of who it wasn't, but right now we don't know who it actually was. Carl actually says he hooked up with two women. At least one of them was married. Team financial officers. Oh, wow. Okay, that's that's a bombshell because a lot of a lot of... But that's not his fault. A lot of people were speculating on who it was throughout the day. That's his wife's fault. 
And we we only know right now that who, a, a couple staffers that it wasn't at the moment. It wasn't any of the, anyone on the actual coaching staff. It was all team employees that are being investigated at the moment. But there must have been some kind of tip. Thank you, Carl, for that. Uh, but yeah, it, as of right now, there's nothing that says there's any kind of violence, any kind of criminal behavior there's being nothing. done at the moment. So I think that's why the Celtics are holding off on the actual releasing of the suspension at the moment until they know maybe who the other staffer was. You're going to suspend a coach that brought you all the way to the finals because he was sleeping with uh, an officer of the team's wife who by the way his wife was cheating too so what is she is she going to be suspended what the heck I, I i don't understand i i understand what the celtics are trying to do i understand they want to keep uh what, what's the word speedy what would be the best way to express what they're trying to do. Well, they're going to make the they're going to make the punishment fair based on who the other staffer was. At whoever the other staffer was at the moment. If Carl, if Carl's right, team protocol. It, okay. Yeah. They're using team protocol, and I remember when Danny Ainge was there. Danny Ainge had his own protocol. So now Brad Stevens is running the organization. He is right. the GM. He is the president. He is the everything for this organization. He's the one who hired this guy. So you're going to sit here because. An officer of your team went to you and said, he's cheating. My wife is cheating with your head coach. I want him suspended for the year. Because it doesn't make sense. Why would Brad Stevens, and it, it, and Carl says integrity. Here, here's This is professional sports, okay? Kobe Bryant cheated on his wife one time. To keep... Together in his marriage, he brought his wife a purple diamond ring worth about $5 million. Okay? Is that integrity? Everybody forgot about that. And I'm not taking shots. May he rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, by the way. But if you remember that story, Kobe Bryant was going to go to jail. The only reason why he didn't go to jail is because... When they investigated, when the detectives investigated the story, when she said that Kobe raped her, there were six or seven different semen samples on her underwear. It wasn't just Kobe's. So Kobe got off, but he didn't get off with his wife. Why didn't the Lakers suspend him? He's the biggest, at the time, he was one of the biggest players in the NBA. It doesn't make sense. Now, I understand t- integrity, if you want to say that, if the Celtics want to uh, you know, push integrity for their t- organization. There are a lot of teams that have gone through these situations and didn't suspend their coach or didn't suspend their player for a full season. Right or wrong, Speed? Well, yeah, there's going to be cases that are going to be very unique when it comes to this. I think what it's going to come down to is exactly what Carl was saying, is the parallel of who this other employee is, and you think uh, Carl was saying the team financial officer's wife, and that that makes a big difference when it comes to the justification of this. Now, again, there was actually a, another thing, too, that was it was multiple women, too. It wasn't just one, too. So now you're, you're hooking up with two different staffers as well. Then you're getting somebody else involved. There's going to be other tips within the organization, too. And you wonder what the parallel is going to be. Because obviously, the NBA is not involved in this. It's just the Celtics team protocol as it is. So whatever the protocol would be for a team financial officer's wife and the protocol for a head coach, they're going to have to have some kind of, I guess, informal parallel with that kind of thing too and also anyone else that could be a violator of it who says the other two women that might have been not known yet 
didn't violate something too. So that's what it's going to come down to with the officially release the parallel. But I do think it will happen at some point. It's definitely an interesting story, and I'm sure we're going to hear more about this story as it comes out and as it breaks even more when we find out if he is going to be suspended for the full season. Now, there is stories coming out from Boston that he will be suspended for the full season. Uh, It'll probably break sometime before the weekend. But if you're a Boston Celtic fan, you don't want to hear this. This this Boston Celtic team is ready to win now. This offseason has been a good offseason for this, this Celtic team. They're going into a season where they didn't make the trade for Kevin Durant. They decided to keep Jason Tatum there. They decided to keep Jalen Brown and and that that cast of players. They brought in a couple of players to fill in spots I thought they were weak in, especially at the point guard position. They're ready to win now. And now, sitting your coach out for the season, how do you expect to win? You're going to... You're going to have one of your assistant coaches coaching this team Mm -hmm. in 82 games this season and going throughout the playoffs without your leader? Does that make sense? How about you you, you suspend this coach and you bring Brad Stevens back? I was going to say that. Why not? Executive coach. Why not? Greg Popovich did it for a while. Why not? (laughs) Maybe you bring Brad Stevens for the season back if you're going to suspend um, Oduko. I mean, it's this is a bad story. I understand there, there's more that's going to come out. It, it is a story. It definitely clicks in every cylinder. If if you're if you're a sports fan, if and if you're a Celtic fan, but if I am a Celtic fan, if any Celtic fans listening, we know there's a couple of Celtic fans always listening to the show. If I was a Celtic fan, I would not be happy. I wouldn't be happy with the Celtics organization. I wouldn't be happy with my coach. I wouldn't be happy with my GM. I wouldn't be happy with anybody over there. Well, no, they're not, definitely not going to be happy with their coach, that's for sure. And I think that's a lot of the backlash. So I far wouldn't be happy with Brad fans. Stevens suspending him for a year. Mm-hmm. But Carl is right. They're trying to keep some level of integrity at the moment. How much integrity right. is there? We'll see. All right, level integrity? Fire him. If you're going to do this, you might as well fire him. Uh, Bring in another yeah, coach. Yeah, if more comes out, it might end up being that way. We have to see how, what ends up happening, especially how many different tips there are going to be and how many different women it ends up being. Mm. Because, it, yeah, it could definitely lead to that at this point. This might just be the beginning. Uh, Slug says, LMAO, he was dating Nia Long. Uh, Carl says, you know that because Tyler has a big mouth and fits a ton of burgers in there. I don't know what he's talking about, but not surprising. Uh, Slug says, there are serious ethics issues that could cause turmoil and throughout the organization behaving like that. Carl says, Maroon 4. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, Slug says, it doesn't have to be a crime for the Celtics to deem the behavior unaccept- unacceptable. Carl says, it in her office, in her office ethics. Haha, did Kobe get off? Slug says, it is extremely divisive to an organization to have issues like this. It forces people to take sides and creates tremendous dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Carl says, agreed. So is it wrong to say the Celtics are on the come up, spelled C-U-M? And then Snug says... I, that's disgusting. <laughs> and I don't know, the Warriors, Snug says, I did, the Warriors did it for most of the season when Kerr had surgery. The Warriors were still good. I was more unhappy when the coach not having better self-control and judgment. Yeah, that was uh, Steve Nash actually coaching as the interim for the first uh, 28 games or something like that, and they were undefeated for a while. And then there is Robert Sauver. And everybody knows about this man, the stories coming out, some of the racist remarks he made in the past. And and this is a huge problem. Social media is the root of all evil. Because with social media, there are things that come out from the past. It always does. 
you tweet something, you're on Instagram and you respond to something racism, you know, racist or attack, uh, you know, um, homosexuality or anything. Things like this always happen and it breaks through social media. And of course, another owner of an organization, very well respected around the league, and why not another place that Chris Paul plants his, uh, you know, his jersey? If you remember with the Clippers, what happened with the Clippers and Doc Rivers and and why they decided to uh, fire? Who was the owner of the team? I'm sorry, uh, Donald Sterling. Donald Sterling. Yeah. Uh, stories coming out that his uh, he was dating an African American woman, and he said something racist to her and, and about some of the players and it broke. And then doc rivers didn't want to play, you know, he didn't want to coach and Chris Paul and all the different players didn't want to play for him. And he had to sell the team. He had to be forced to sell the team. And Chris Paul has a very good relationship with Sarver. Chris Paul found out through LeBron James So now, with everything that's broke, Sarver decided, and I I give Sarver a lot of credit because he did not have to sell his team. He was not forced like Sterling was. Nobody forced him to sell his teams. But when this story broke, he was ashamed of it. He was mocked all over social media. So you know what he did? Over the last week and a half, he has decided that he is he wants to part ways with the Phoenix Suns and his uh, WNBA basketball team, the Mercury. Now, I don't feel bad for him because he said some derogatory racist things. When it broke, it was disgusting. Despicable. Probably worse than what Donald Sterling said. A lot of people believe that. But the NBA respect Robert Server, Sarver much more than Donald Sterling. Donald Sterling was not uh, a good Samaritan for the NBA. He didn't really help the NBA grow. Robert Sarver really built the Phoenix Suns. He helped the Phoenix Suns really develop into one of those, you know, top NBA franchises. And now he's going to part ways with an NBA team that's worth billions of dollars. So, I I mean, you sit here today, if you're an NBA fan and uh, you're a Phoenix Sun fan, and I understand you you don't like Robert Sauver. Obviously, and I said this to you, Speedy, the other day, before we even went live on the show. The NBA is 80% African American. 80%. So if you say something anywhere in your past on social media, race, racist, anti-Semitic, any kind of origin, sexist, any disgusting things that you have posted, it's going to come back to you. Right. Not only that, you're also dealing with a... a a league that has a lot of international players too, in addition to African-American players, where if you're going to get to any kind of derogatory bigotry type 
language, you're going to get caught for that too. I mean, there was somebody, I forget who it was, that was making racist remarks of European, uh, Eastern Europeans too, that uh, got suspended. We've saw it, we've seen that in the past with Japanese people. Just the, these groups sing out. Ch- China was a big one recently with the NBA too. And it, especially in the NBA, where they have all this international talent and African American talent, they're going to, that's not going to be taken lightly by any organization. So I give Robert Sarver, obviously, he's not a good guy like he's saying all these bad things but i give robert Sarver credit for at least admitting to it and surrendering to sell the team now because we're seeing in the nfl a lot of owners that are not doing that because roger goodell wants to protect the owners and these other owners have just these massive egos meanwhile they've done some disgusting things as well but robert Sarver admitting to it and i give him i give him credit in that regard even though obviously absolutely nobody's defending what he says and he's not defending what he said no and nor should he he has not defended anything that he said in the past he said it in the past and maybe he said it deliberately. I don't know. I, I'm not friends with Robert Sarver. I, I don't know him personally. I, I heard he's a good guy. Everybody that I've heard, uh, you know, when it comes to the writers that we've had on the show and see what they post all over social media, they've all said that Robert Sarver has been nothing but a nice guy. But being a nice guy and showing that you're not a nice guy are two different things. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference between actually being a nice person to, like, interactive with people and being raised to believe certain values are true and actually acceptable, which none of these bigotry-type values, none of these racist values are, are something that should be tolerated anywhere, no matter if you're owning a team, no matter if you're working for a team. Like we were talking about with the Celtics, you might have a position that is lower level and just force out a tip, but th- that behavior is not acceptable anywhere to have that kind of t- type of discrimination. And it depends on how you're raised. It has nothing to do with who you are as a person. We live in a world now, and we've seen this for years Tens of hundreds of years. Racism, anti-Semitic thoughts to different ethnic groups, religions, and now even homosexuality, which has been a huge story in professional sports. A huge story. So I understand it. And I, I, I understand why a lot of these Owners are going to probably push Robert Sarver out if he didn't decide to sell his team. But it is definitely it's sad because not not personally I'm not I, I'm not sad for Robert Sarver. It, it's just sad that the NBA and and this has been going on a lot in the NBA out of all the sports. If you look at football, baseball, hockey. I mean, how many times do you hear it in all those sports? When it comes to this situation, it it, it comes from the NBA. It's been really huge in the NBA with racism remarks, attacks, and so many different ends of the spectrum. And it's, it's sad. It really is. Snook says he's going to make a lot of money. I don't feel bad for him either. The land is mine. Hold on, hold on one second. He's going to make a lot of money because he owns the team. He owns the land. He owns the stadium. What do you think? He's going to donate his team? He's just going to get rid of his team? And that's that's it. Nobody's going to throw away a, a multi-billion dollar organization. Just give it away because he said disgusting things. Was he right for what he said? He was disgusting. He doesn't deserve 
to own a base uh, basketball team right. or any professional team. But he, you're not going to give it away for free. I mean, that, that's ridiculous. That makes you more of a man because, you you know what, I, I'm a multi-billionaire. I'm just going to give my team away for free. That makes sense. You might as well give it to me. I'll take the team. Sell it to me. I'll buy it for 10 bucks. Stuck says, the land is mine as far as the ball shall travel, so saith McGuire. Whatever that means. Sarver is protecting his reputation if he's really sorry. Yeah, he, he is. All the net profit. 100%. Uh, Carl says, this is also about what he did, fostered an environment which employees felt they were his property. Also passed around pictures of his wife in a bikini during throughout the office staff discussing inappropriate topics. Oh, wow, I didn't even realize that. So, yeah, I, I guess it expanded even further, too. So, we'll see. Personally, I don't know him. So, I can't. I can't point fingers at the man. What I what I do know is I read a little bit about this story, and there's stories coming out every day about it. And Robert Sarver is a disgusting human being, as far as far as what we know of what he said. As a person, and what some of the players have said about him, including Chris Paul, saying that what I know about him before this all happened. Is the man is is a good man? He was good to my kids, and and took me in like a son. So it, it's a sad it, it's a sad situation. This isn't Donald Sterling. Donald Sterling looked like a mean person. I mean, you look at Donald Sterling; he looks scary. He looked like he wanted to bite your head off when he looked at you. When you look at Robert Sarver, he doesn't look like the things that we've heard that he said. So it, it's sad. This is a sad story. It's bad for the NBA. It is. This whole thing with Oduko, uh, uh, th- this is a bad story. You're going into a season already. The NBA starts in a month. You're going to a season, and there's nothing good coming from the offseason. Nothing. Kevin Durant made it worse. Kyrie Irving didn't make it very good. I mean, there's not many good things that we've heard in the offseason for the NBA, besides the draft. And by the way, it was a very weak draft. So, I, I mean, seriously, it, it's just, it's horrible. Adam Silver needs to figure this out. He needs to sit down with the owners. He needs to get down to the nitty and the gritty on this. Because this is, this can't keep on going on. This cannot keep happening in the NBA. When we come back, we'll be talking to Fox Sports NFC East reporter Ralph Vacchiano here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Little M&M, I like this. 631-672-3108 is the number. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouths. You can check out our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app, iOS, ladies and gentlemen. I don't have to tell you. You can search us. I don't. I. I, I don't have an Apple. Do you have an Apple, Speedy? I do. I don't have an Apple. Jo- Josh Towers knows how to use apps. Oh, he does. <laughs> Finally, we got Josh on yesterday. He knows how to use his apps. I. I, we try to make it easy for the fans. Uh, 25,000 people downloaded our app. So you can check us out and search us at WWSRN or Android. Go to your Play Store and search us at Worldwide Sports Radio Network. 
Why not get into some football? Football week three starts tonight. We have a good one. 14-13. Pittsburgh, Cleveland. And now we have a very special guest. Looking forward to interviewing him. We are now talking to Fox Sports NFC East reporter Ralph Vacchiano. Ralph, what's going on, bud? Nothing much, guys. How you doing? We're good, man. I mean, we're we're sweating and, you know, everything. Here in Long Island, it, it doesn't make any sense. The, the weather, fall, by the way, happy fall for everybody. Today is the first day of fall. And it was humid this morning. It was about 80% humid. It was disgusting, gloomy over here. And then all of a sudden, uh, we had a lot of rain. And now it's... 59 degrees, 58 degrees. So New York, right. weather, New York weather is horrible. I can't stand it. So it, it just goes back and forth. But how are you doing? How are you and your family with the whole COVID-19 uh, since we haven't spoken to you? We're doing good. Thanks. We appreciate that. Uh, you know, we got through it okay. And, uh, you know, looking forward to getting back to a little more normalcy. Absolutely. So why don't we get into some football? Because that's why we have you on. Uh, and the New York Giants are 2-0 right now. Uh, Dable has really shown everybody what he can do as a head coach, change this offense. I don't know if Daniel Jones is the future. Saquon Barkley could be gone by the end of the season. Uh, there's a lot of craziness uh, with Galladay, Kenny Galladay, complaining that he had he played two snaps. Where is this Giants team in, as far as what you've seen in the first two games of the season? Well, I mean, they're 2-0, and which is good, no matter how, how you look at it, because they haven't been winning in many, many years. So, you know, everything else I'm going to say is not going to be good, but take the 2-0 and and be happy about it, because Giants fans deserve it at this point. But if you peel back the curtain a little bit, they're incredibly lucky. I mean, they beat a Tennessee Titans team that's probably not as good as we thought. They needed a muffed punt and a missed field goal to do it. They beat a Panthers team that's not very good. They needed a 56-yard field goal to do it. They are not generating a whole lot of offense. Uh, Daniel Jones doesn't have a lot of receivers to throw to. They don't have much of a passer. There's a lot of holes in this team, but they're well-coached. They're playing hard. And, you know, look, in this sport, you, you take the breaks as they come. They Over the last 10 years, I could probably count on my hands how many breaks they've gotten in games so if they've gotten two to get to 2-0, and o, just take it and be happy. So what about on the defensive side? We've had a lot of – the Giants have had a lot of injuries so far, especially with their edge rushers, now also losing Leonard Williams as well. Uh, they had Dean Belton out, their rookie safety for a while too. But a lot of the backups have stepped up. What have you seen so far from that defense and Wink Martindale? They're aggressive, which is good. Uh, they haven't been aggressive in years past. Uh, you know, they, they I thought they were a decent defense two years ago under Patrick Graham. They took a step back last year. Uh, but, you know, they, they blitz from all sorts of angles, which is, you know, kind of what you need to do when you're undermanned. And I think they are undermanned a little bit. I don't think they have good linebackers. I don't, you know, until Kevin Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari are back. Uh, you know, I think their defensive line is okay, but it doesn't get a lot of pressure even when Leonard Williams is in there. Uh, the secondary is, it's got some good, you know, Jory Jackson is playing great so far, but he's really the island out there at cornerback. Julian Love and Xavier McKinney could be very good safeties. So there are pieces there, uh, but as a whole, it's not a dominant defense unless you scheme it. And that's what Wink Martindale has done. He, he you know, they really went after Baker Mayfield. Now that worked with Baker Mayfield. Let's see what happens with a, you know, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, but at least for the average to below average quarterbacks, you, you can win a lot of games if you really dial up that pressure. We are talking to Fox Sports NFC East reporter Ralph Vacchiano. Uh, Ralph, 
you look at this division, and there's so many what-ifs. I mean, there's nothing that really stands out except the Eagles. The Eagles are the high-profile team in this division. They proved on Monday Night Football they can knock off a very good team like the Vikings. Uh, They shut down Jefferson. What are your thoughts uh, of what you've seen with this Eagles team? Uh, Jalen Hurts looks like he could be the quarterback of the future of this organization, and that's what they wanted to see. Where do you see this team right now in the NFC East? They're for real. Uh, you know, I think they're the team to beat. Uh, they were heading into this season. I picked them as a sleeper Super Bowl contender. Uh, if everything worked out right in the first two games, it certainly looks like that's the case. They've got a tremendous secondary. I mean, I don't know that there are three better cornerbacks in the league than uh, Darius Slade, James Bradbury, and uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. That's just a terrific threesome right there. They have uh, you know, a pass rush that hasn't really started playing well lately, but there's potential there with, you know, Nicobe Dean and Brandon Graham and uh, Hassan Reddick, some guys who can really get after the quarterback. And on offense, look, they were the number one rushing team in football last year, and Jalen Hurts really looks like he's put things together. They have so many weapons now with A.J. Brown to pair with Devonta Smith and Dallas Goder to tight end. Um, you know, their offensive line is as good an offensive line as there is in football I don't know where the weakness is. Maybe at linebacker, but that's something you can you know cover a little bit. Um, you know, I, I I just think that that team is so deep and so good. I think if they were in the AFC, they could be competitive. But in the NFC, where all the weaker teams are, they have a chance to be a Super Bowl team. I think they're going to be hard to knock off in the NFC East. So being they're kind of like you were saying, they're kind of a running team first. Like it's not the wave of the game. This is considered a quote unquote passing league type thing. Uh, what do you, what chances do you give of them trying to be that maybe differentiation Super Bowl type run, being a, a counterculture type in comparison to these other NFC powerhouses? Well, I do think you have to run well in this league to succeed in the playoffs, unless you are a super passing team you know the the bills ran well last year the chiefs had somewhat of a running game especially late in the season uh even the rams had developed a running game late in the season but they all had elite passing games and you know i don't know if the eagles are quite there yet but i think the potential is there uh because of the diversity the you know having aj brown as a true number one receiver to pair with devonta smith you know, last year, Jalen Hurts was pretty good just throwing to Devonta Smith and all on the outside. Now the middle of the field's open with A.J. Brown. Uh, he's got a good pass-catching tight end in Dallas Goddard. So the the weapons are there in the passing game. He looks poised, Jalen Hurts. He looks like he's throwing in the right places, like he'll you know run smartly, not just in a panic. Um, obviously, that has to keep up, and they have to prove that. They're going to have to pass to really succeed, I think. But when you start with that number one rushing game, uh, in the league, and now you're adding the passing game too. That's where I think they can become dangerous. I think the signs of the passing game developing are really there. Now, Jerry Jones is very well known uh, with his smart remarks and stupid things that have come out, not only from his organization, but for other organizations, and what he said and has talked about other organizations. Now, Jerry Jones came out uh, 24 hours ago and said, uh, he would welcome a quarterback controversy between Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott. Now, if I was Dak Prescott right now, and I'm not, but if I was, and I got a huge contract last year, I signed a big contract, I'm getting paid $42.5 million every single year, and I got hurt, I hurt my thumb, and I'm sitting out six to eight weeks, as my owner says, 
I'm coming back in four weeks, which likely it's not going to happen. If I, if you were him and and, and you thought that your co- your owner is speaking high, not highly of you, and you're 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 looking at a third string quarterback, and let's be honest, Cooper Rush would be a third string quarterback on any other NFL team. What would you say if you were Dak Prescott? You know, I think he understands Jerry Jones. Um, you know, first of all, he got his money. He knows that, you know, they're paying him a ton of money. They're not going to bench him unless Cooper Rush becomes Kurt Warner. And in that case, Dak Prescott will go somewhere else and make a ton of money. So, you know, who cares? But I think he understands that Jerry Jones is two things. Talk about two things here. One, he's always selling something. He's, you know, talking about getting, he's looking for attention and, saying that got him a lot of attention. And the other thing is on a more practical basis, I think he wants, I think that the general message was he wants Cooper rush to play really, really well, because if that happens, it's good for the Cowboys and it keeps them afloat. And you know, what better situation would there be for the Cowboys than Cooper rush playing great for a month until Dak Prescott is ready. And then, you know, if you have to talk about it, then okay. But at least then it's better than him stinking and going Oh, and four or Oh, and five. And, you know, the Cowboys being out of the playoffs. So Cooper Rush succeeding is good for everybody. Don't be fooled unless, again, anything could happen. He could be Kurt Warner. He could be what Tony Romo was once. Maybe he lights it up, and then you've got a question mark at the at the end. But their intention is to give this back to Dak Prescott. They would just rather give it back to him in good shape, not bad shape. Yeah, that's what they mentioned. That's what Jerry Jones mentioned after that. So, oh, it's going to be Tony Romo, Dak Prescott, Jerry needs all a, over again. Jerry needs a haircut. That's what he needs. I'm just uh, that's just me speaking just, the truth. Just make sure you don't go to Mark Davis's barber, <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll probably be good. Oh my God, that's a terrible haircut. So, uh, what about the Dallas uh, running game and their defense too? Kind of a different identity now with the passing game not being the same. Not only Dak getting hurt, but also losing wide receivers. That was a big deal for them last year. Can you see them kind of transforming back to that 2016 identity when it was Zeke that was the main workhorse? I know he struggled so far, but where he's the main workhorse in this defense playing as well as it has so far. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they've got questions on that offensive line. I think when when Ezekiel Elliott powered them, it was really the offensive line that was powering them. And it's just not the same line anymore. So I don't know, you know, Ezekiel's getting up there in years, running backs get old quickly, uh, not having the same line in front of him, knowing that Cooper Rush probably isn't going to beat you. Teams can load up and try to stop Zeke. So I don't know that he can necessarily carry them right now. I think they need Cooper Rush and CeeDee Lamb to – do something there. It might be a case now where the defense and Micah Parsons, uh, you know, the rest of the crew there have to carry the Cowboys over these next few games. I I think the same is kind of true of the Giants. I mean, there's always a chance that Saquon Barkley pops off the same. There's always a chance that Ezekiel Elliott pops off, but going into this Monday night game, to me, it's which defense plays better. You know, it's going to be 17, 14, uh, which defense holds off the other team in the fourth quarter And that's really the way these teams right now have to win games. They're not the Bills and the Chiefs and the Rams and all the other offensive firepower teams. They're they're a team that has to – both of them are teams that have to grind it out. The Cowboys are at least until Prescott comes back, and then maybe they can click that offense into gear. We are talking to Fox Sports NFC East reporter Ralph Vacchiano. Uh, Ralph, the Commanders – uh, had a lot of things happening in the offseason. I mean, the Schneider situation, ownership, and the stories coming out, and they're getting sued, the NFL's getting sued, all the craziness. But this team, on paper, is a pretty good team. 
they they gave McLaurin a pretty good contract as well as he deserves if he could stay on the field. Uh, they brought in Carson Wentz. They have a pretty good defense in the second half. They were a defense that really stood out from all the rest. Where is this team? I, I mean, we talk about the Eagles, the Giants, the Cowboys. Where does this team line up from all the other teams? You know, to me, they're the second tier in the NFC um, and, and probably the NFC East as well. They are loaded on offense for all the knocks that Carson Wentz gets. He's a good quarterback. You know, they're, they're, if you look at the teams in the league, obviously there's 32 teams, but there's probably only 24, 25 guys who are really good NFL quarterbacks. And Carson Wentz is one of them. You know, he had a couple of bad years, but for the most part, most of his seasons are, you know, 3,500 yards, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He can play and he's got a strong arm and he's smart. So that right away transforms their offense. They've got Terry McLaurin. They've got Curtis Samuel. They've got Jahan Dotson, three good receivers, Logan Thomas at tight end, two good running backs. That's more than a lot of teams. So they can move the ball. They can score. I don't know how well they can stop teams. The first two weeks, the defense has not looked mm-hmm. great. Without Chase Young, I worry a little bit about that pass rush. So, you know, to put them on the top tier to say that they can compete with the Eagles to the NFC East title, I need to see a little more about the defense. But, you know, put them in a shootout with anybody, I'm not ruling out Carson Wentz and that uh, offensive weapons. They, they've got some talent there. I will say this, and I, I, I'm, I'm looking back on Frank Wright over there in Indianapolis – I, I don't think he's very happy right now with Matt Ryan. I think he'd be in a better position if he had Carlson Wentz. So, big yeah. mistake by Indianapolis. That's just my They wouldn't opinion. have gotten shut out by the Jaguars. They would have only lost 24 <laughs> to 10. Well, you're probably right. <laughs> so, my question is actually about the coaching for the commanders. I mean, a lot of analysts we've heard say that Ron Rivera has been on the hot seat at certain points after the way the defense has fallen off last year from where they were the year before. And even some of the assistant coaches have kind of been thought of as outdated. Have you seen that kind of thing so far? Or have you seen more, I guess, modern concepts with that team? You know, I, I don't think, first of all, I don't think Ron Rivera's on a hot seat there. I think they respect him and they like him. Um, the defense fell off. Losing Chase Young is big. You know, not having him on that defense. You have that one pass rushing stud, take him away. That certainly changes things. He wasn't having a good year before he got hurt. So that's, you know, that's certainly an issue. Um, I, I, I think – before Ron Rivera gets on the hot seat, his defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio will be on the hot seat. Um, You know, because I think they're, I think they're generally a well-coached team. They're just not getting the most out of their defensive players. So, um, you know, they're going to have to change something, but, you know, again, losing, you have take Chase Young out of that team. That is a big, big change. They've had some other injuries up front. I think I read something today where they had, you know, started the season with nine guys on the defensive line and something like six of them have, been dealing with injuries the first two games. So uh, their safety cam curl was out the first couple of games, which hurt their secondary as well. So they've had some issues to overcome there. And uh, you know, but, but I don't think Ron Rivera is in any kind of trouble. I think that the players believe in him and uh, you know, I think ownership, and I obviously don't know the Snyders very well, but I believe from everything I've heard there, they believe in Ron Rivera and they understand that, you know, his first couple of years, they didn't really have the quarterback, to win a lot. And, uh, you know, they did squeeze out an NFC's title. Granted, they were only seven and nine that first year, but, uh, you know, that does buy him a little bit of time and a little bit of patience, I think, from the people above him. 
Ralph, you, you look at the NFC right now, and everybody keeps talking about how strong the AFC is and how weak the NFC is. Um, the Vikings, before they got smashed up by the Eagles on Monday, a lot of people thought the Vikings were the best team in the NFC. Uh, they didn't show up to a game or something happened. Maybe they didn't eat their Wheaties or something. Um, and then the Buccaneers, uh, Tom Brady looks very old. He, I don't know what's going on mentally. Uh, that whole fight that broke out, and everybody's blaming Lattimore, but I, I think it was Mike Evans and Tom Brady that started that whole thing, but that's just my opinion. Uh, they, Even though they're 2-0, and they don't really scare me. The Saints don't scare me. We know what the Panthers and the Falcons are. Uh, I mean, the NFC is fairly weak. The only team that really stands out to me right now, besides the Rams, is the 49ers. And the reason why I think the 49ers stand out is – Jimmy G is now behind the helm. It is not a rookie quarterback. And I, I, I feel I really feel sad for Trey Lance. I really do. You don't want to see something like that happen to a quarterback and it is out for a significant amount of time. But it, it's a great story because Jimmy G decided to stay with the 49ers. He took the $7 million with uh, the incentives and now has a chance to go on a run with this 49ers team, a very talented 49ers team. What are your thoughts to, you know, with Trey Lance, if Trey Lance was behind the helm, or now Jimmy G? Is is it a, a huge difference to have a veteran quarterback of that magnitude? I think it is. I think anytime you go with a young quarterback in his first year, you're starting over. You know, there are growing pains, and there's not – maybe there's a handful of NFL quarterbacks over the years who haven't experienced them, but most of them – will struggle a little bit the first time they're starting. And you can't expect them to you know, lead you to a Super Bowl, lead you to a championship, sometimes not even lead you on a playoff run. Jimmy G's done it before. Um, you know, he's seen more. He'll see defenses. Trey Lance will see a defense for the first time. Jimmy G's probably seen it seven times already, ten times already. So that certainly helps. I, I've always thought he was better than people gave him credit for. And, uh, you know, I don't really know what the rush was in San Francisco to move on from him. I, I think he's a good quarterback. I think a lot of teams in the crazy offseason when they were swapping quarterbacks everywhere should have been more interested if the price was right. So um, I think this could work out for San Francisco. I think they're a good team. And you know, like you said, it's, you know, every team in the NFC, every team you think of as a contender has flaws. You know, I, I wouldn't bet against Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, but Obviously, their teams both have issues. Uh, the Rams have issues as well. The Eagles right now, they look terrific. I don't know what their issue necessarily would be, but you know, they weren't expected to be a Super Bowl contender. So you know, they're kind of the upstarts in this. Uh, you can make a case for probably seven or eight teams to emerge out of the conference. And with Jimmy G, the 49ers would have to be in that mix. So what about in terms of, I've, let's say, assuming the Eagles win the division because they've been looking really good so far. What about for a second wild card team in the NFC East? If you're getting the six and the seven spots, maybe, who would be some other sleeper teams to watch out for in other conferences, or other divisions in the NFC to get those? Could you see a team like Arizona, a team like the Saints, maybe contending for those types of spots to set, fend off the Giants? I, I, think the you could, I think you could probably pick another 10 teams and, and put them in that mix right now because they're all – they all have issues, you know. I mean, the Cardinals. I would have said, okay, absolutely, they're good enough. The Raiders, not the Raiders. I'm sorry. The um, uh, I was thinking of the 49ers actually. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals. Um, you know, yeah, the Cardinals um, obviously were, you know, they've had their their issues so far the first couple of weeks, but they are um, certainly talented enough to, you know, they're going to be 
I, I think their floor is probably 500. I can't mm -hmm. imagine being less than that. And if you're around 500, you're in the wild card race. That's the same as where Washington is going to be. I think with New Orleans defense, it's probably right where they will be as well. I think, you know, Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, they, they could win the division with him. Certainly, if not, them and the Vikings are certainly talented enough uh, to compete for the wild card. And then you get a team that's going to be lucky. I mean, look, the Giants are 2-0. and I don't think they're for real. But you look at their schedule, it's not that tough. And if they're playing decent football and Saquon Barkley goes off a little bit and they can develop just a little bit of momentum, could they get to eight or nine wins and be in the wild card chase? Certainly, especially if they – look, they beat the Cowboys. They get their 3-0. They get the Bears next. You rack up three or four early wins, you will be in the wild card race. So, um, you know, right now I think I think this whole conference is really just – incredibly wide open because there are so many flawed teams and it's not like the AFC where maybe the six or seven best teams in football are in the AFC right now. We are talking to Fox Sports NFC East reporter Ralph Facciano. Last question for me, Ralph. I know you're a really busy guy. Um, is there any surprises so far that you have seen the last two weeks? And being that there has been a couple of surprises and crazy wins by quite a few different teams, where do you see the NFL as the, the season moves forward? Do you still think the AFC is that dominant? Do you still think that everybody thinks Buffalo is the, the dominant force right now, the best team in the NFL? Do you think that could change as the season prolongs? Well, I certainly think it could change. Uh, you know, injuries change everything in the NFL. It's very often who's healthiest later in the season uh, more than anything. Um, so, you know, we're early. We're, we're just learning about these teams. The first two weeks historically tell you absolutely nothing about what's going on in the NFL. So we're, we're really just getting into the serious parts of this. Um, I think probably the thing that jumped out at me is the biggest surprise so far, probably the Colts stinking mm -hmm. is probably a big <laughs> one for me. I really thought, you know, I don't think Matt Ryan is great, but I think they thought he was a better fit for their passing offense. I thought with Jonathan Taylor, uh, they would be able to put up a lot more points than they did. Uh, so that's that's certainly a surprise for me. Um, you know, I think that the Giants 2-0 and has to be a surprise. I don't know that I've figured that. Uh, you know, looking at the two games, I think they're incredibly lucky in what they did. And, um, you know, they beat at least one of those teams. I thought the, the Titans, another surprise, I guess. I, I thought they would be pretty good. It's impressive, even if it is with a little bit of smoke and mirrors. So, um, you know, I, do I think that the, the Bills are probably – I think the Bills are probably the dominant team in the NFL. I think, you know, I picked the Chargers to get to the Super Bowl. Um, I think I picked them against the Buccaneers. Um, you know, I could see I could see the Bills, the Bucks, the, the I mean, the, the Bills, the Chargers, the Chiefs. I think all of them could come out of the AFC. Uh, if somebody gets hot late, if the Bills have an injury or two, yeah, things can change. But right now, certainly – I mean, you look at the Buffalo Bills, it's hard not to look at them and think, okay, they're, they're the Super Bowl champions, right? They're, they're playing that well, but there's really a long way to go, so who knows? And also keep in mind, the last two Super Bowl champions, what was a four seed, what was a five seed? So it doesn't always right, have to exactly. show it in the regular season to show it. All right, so my last question, I know you covered the Giants as well before you started working for Fox Sports for SNY, so you're definitely closer in ties with them. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley at the end of the season, with this current front office, do they stay Giants after this season? Well, I don't think Daniel Jones will. I think that unless he really lights it up, and if he does and he looks like a franchise quarterback, they'll give him the franchise tag 
Um, but I think that they're itching to move on and bring in their own guy. I think they've seen too many flaws in Daniel Jones. And I think that they, it's, it's kind of natural. I mean, it's, it's like the jets with, you know, Sam Darnold was, you know, there was a good, a good case to keep him and give him another year, but it was a new regime. They wanted their own people in place. And I think this new regime wants their own quarterback. I think Saquon Barkley's a more difficult uh, guy there. I don't believe this regime values running backs in terms of big, giving them big contracts, but I think they look at Saquon Barkley and if he's healthy. I think they think he can be a, have a real impact and could really be a help for a new young quarterback. So I, I guess if I was guessing, I would say that they would let Daniel Jones go, draft someone to replace him, and give Saquon Barkley the franchise tag and keep him at least one more year. Ralph, we really appreciate your time, as always. You're very well respected throughout the country uh, from all the different people we talk to, and, and we really appreciate your time, man. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, and we'll hopefully get you on very, very soon, and we'll go into the playoffs and talk a little bit about where you see the playoffs uh, landing with uh, the AFC and the NFC, but we really appreciate you, man. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Take care. Ralph Vacchiano, very, very nice guy, knows his stuff, uh, and uh, very well-respected throughout the NFL, Mm -hmm. so uh, very good interview. Um, When we come back, we'll be talking to IBWWA, uh, well, double A, writer and second hot Eskinia, Yankees podcast host, Sean C, uh, Sean Negron. Speedy, you when you put this stuff I'll down. I'll give you something different. I, I, give me something that makes some sense yeah, here. I mean, why would break. you, you you break it out into a paragraph? It makes no sense. Give me podcaster for the New York Yankees, IBW. A, double A or something like that. Give me something that kind of makes sense where I can use it in a conversation when I introduce them. But anyways, when we come back, we will have a Yankee specialist, a podcaster, and a baseball guy, and an MMA guy as well in combat sports, Sean Negron, here on the Sports Lab Mouse. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You're listening to the Sports Loudmouths. You can check us out by going to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out our, our beautiful app on iOS, which is Apple. Searching us at WWSRN or Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Shout out to Ralph Vacchiano, who is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic interview. Definitely enjoyed interviewing him. And uh, by the way, uh, just in breaking news, it is now official. The Celtics have suspended their head coach, um, Adoko, throughout the 2000, 2022 and 2023 season. So... He is out for a year. What does this uh, say about the organization and where this organization is going? I would say this organization is in a lot of trouble. And a a team that everybody expects to be a contender this year could fall to 5-6 and really be on the outskirts. That's uh, that's how important a coach is when it comes to a team like this. They they have stars, but... I, I think this is I think this is a bad move by the Celtics, but it must have been really, really bad. Mm. So uh, we'll hear some more about this story as we move forward. But uh, we don't want to keep this guy uh, any longer. 
We are now talking to international baseball writer and Yankees writer, Sean Negron. Wow, Speedy got it right. Sean, what's up, bud? Hey, how's it going? I appreciate the uh, nice intro. How's everyone doing? Oh, we're good, man. I, I I will say this. Speedy gives me this long paragraph of crap, and I told him before the show, what are you giving me? I, I don't understand half the stuff here. Can't can't you make this a little simplified? Simplify it for me so when I introduce the guy, he doesn't look at me like, wow, that guy's a jackass. But uh, <laughs> uh, we really appreciate you joining us. So uh, before we get into some conversation, baseball conversation with you with the Yankees. How did you become a podcaster? How long have you been doing this? And and how are you and your family doing uh, since COVID nineteen? Well, I'll start with the family. Family's good. Not gonna lie, we've had we've had a couple losses, um, unfortunately, but we we're, we're, we're stronger now. Um, happy to, I guess, put it behind us. I know people like to argue that it's not behind us yet, but I'd like to say it is. But podcasting, I've been doing it for around, I'd say, two to three years, and uh, I've been, I've been silently, you know, uh, watching within the shadows for a long time. And I was just like, what? You know, I, I, I rarely give my takes, but I think I have some good ones. So, you know, let, let people hear it. And, uh, you know, that's how I kind of got into it. And, and then, you know, I, I follow my favorite teams and then I follow all of, you know, all four major sports here. So that's, you know, that's what I do. So one of your favorite teams is the New York Yankees that's and right. the Yankees right now are, Ahead in probably the hardest division in all of baseball in the American League East. Uh, you have the Blue Jays, Tampa, the Orioles, even the Red Sox. Yes, the lonely Red Sox that are in last place right now in the American League East. Who would have thought that? Who cares? But uh, <laughs> the New York Yankees have a player that has an opportunity to win a triple crown this year. Break the home run record. Could be the real home run record if you if you want to. If you want to say that Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and I've always said that steroids, besides combat sports, should be allowed in professional sports. That's just my opinion, but it's not legalized. So if it's not legalized, they shouldn't have the record, and this should be the record if he breaks it at 62. What are your thoughts to this unbelievable season? A lot of people think Shea Otani should win the MVP because he's a pitcher slash hitter, and he's a top five pitcher, and he's a top five hitter. Where are your thoughts to Aaron Judge and his unbelievable season offensively and uh, really uh, comparing his season to Shea Otani's? Uh, I think what you got to look at, um, obviously, is the you know, you look at the numbers first, and it's hard to really argue against someone who's going for the triple crown, going for the home run record in, in the AL, and, and, you know, doing what he's doing. And, and just the fact that, you know, it's kind of like a storybook, you know, uh, story right now with the fact could that, be an ending because he might not be a Yankee next year. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I, you know, it's I don't want to say anything, but <laughs> hopefully he does come back. Um, but you know, to get sixty-one home runs, you know, from Roger Maris who did it in nineteen sixty-one, sixty-one years ago, it almost feels storybook. It would be great to see him do that. And you know, if you want to take the offense away. He is a phenomenal defender, you know, and he took over center field this year. I know he played in high school and a little bit college and a little bit in the minor leagues, but he showed that he can play center field in the major league level. And his war is almost at 10. I know, and Otani doesn't play, you know, the the field because he's a pitcher and I get that, but Otani's going to be in the conversation every year for the next, you know, five to six, seven years. And granted he has, you know, judge has led this team in New York, media and atmosphere and the way 
everything is gone. And it's such a stand-up guy. Uh, I I would be very surprised if he doesn't win just based off of what he's done offensively, but also as a player in person. So in terms of the potential contract off this kind of triple crown or near triple crown type season, MVP record setting type season, uh, what do you think will be the expected years and also either per year average annual value or the total length of the contract that you'll see either from the Yankees or from another team? Oof, that's tough because I know the Yankees offered him seven years around 214, which is around a little over 30 million a year to start the year. Obviously betting on yourself and man has that, worked out good for him it it might be the best prove it year we might ever see so now I think he's going to get eight I always thought he was going to get eight years and I think with eight years I think now I could see probably around 40 to 42 million to be honest with you as everybody knows we are talking to international baseball writers Yankees writer and Sean Sean Negron Sean I, I, a lot of people, we had Josh Towers on yesterday, ex-Blue Jay, Oriole, and New York Yankee. He believes that the Yankees gave him a good deal. Seven years uh, for uh, uh, $213.5 million. And he said that uh, any more years and any more money is overdoing it for a player that's going to be 31 next year. And in it really is in the middle of his prime of his career. When you look at... What the Yankees offered him, and and obviously the negotiations to the arbitration, which he was very upset about with the Yankees, waiting to the last minute to do this, uh, giving him his $19, $20 million, but they did it cheaply. I And this is not what you know George Steinbrenner has done over the years. He makes sure that his players are paid and they're happy. Uh, Hal's running this team a completely different way. So your thoughts to how they handled uh, Aaron Judge in the offseason and did the, did it ca- really cost the Yankees on losing him in the offseason to a San Francisco Giants team or maybe a, a team like the Red Sox? I don't know. It's tough to say because everyone loves to say that George, you know, if George were here, this would have been, you know, he would have done this and he would have gotten the job done. But uh, to be honest with you, if George was here, he probably would have traded Judge before he had even become great. George was not so keen on holding on to prospects, especially homegrown. And so I know the whole, you know, he kept the, the you know, the Jeter, the Posadas, the Pettits and stuff like that. But before that, you're almost looking at almost nobody. You know, a lot of guys were bought. So Judge could have been in, in the conversation for a trade and we would have never even had this. So how, what I think Hal is doing, yes, I Hal probably gets onto my skin more than anyone that I've never met in my entire life. But I think that he can get the job done still. I think he, yes, I think there was a little bit of cheap play, especially with the arbitration, waiting until the final moments. I think there's a lot of uh, things that upset Judge. You could clearly tell going into the season that Judge was upset that there was no deal done, and it didn't even seem like it was close because I remember going into the season how you know us Yankee fans were feeling like that they were, you know, they had – publicly said that they were meeting with judge they were trying to get the deal done with judge and that it just never happened and then the fact that cashman publicly told people the offer that judge declined when if if you know brian cashman he doesn't say anything ever he's very quiet close to the vest and especially even with trades and signings he doesn't there's no announcement there's no rumor it just happens so the fact that he would do that it just seemed a little petty um i do think though that the job does get done i think that that Judge will resign. I think with the fact that Chapman, Britton, 
Green, all of them come off the books. Uh, that'll help in paying for Judge, and I think that'll definitely help out. And no, I don't think the Giants – I think the Giants will offer. But the Giants have never been really too big on spending, and, and they've, they've let people go because they don't want to spend. Judge wants premier-level money, like Dodgers, and maybe even the Angels can sweep in there, and you know the Red Sox, obviously the Yankees, Mets. But I just think that the Yankees will eventually get it done. It, it will be a waiting game. It'll be a back and forth, but I do think the Yankees will get it done. I will say this, and I know a lot of Yankee haters and people that say George Steinbrenner bought teams. If you look at the 80s, he built his teams around a core of young players. He did not trade away his top stars, Derek Cheater, Bernie Williams, uh, obviously, Jorge Posada, Mariano Rivera, he had stars in the 80s. He had guys, uh, and, and everybody remembers, Don Madden, Lee being one of them, Steve Sachs, and and uh, obviously Pat Kelly, and, and all the different guys that they had over there that they built their team around. They didn't – a lot of people want to say that George bought his teams. Anytime George Steinbrenner went out and dug into his pockets, they never won. Jason Giambi? They never won with him. Alex Rodriguez and CC Sabathia and AJ Burnett and Mark Tischer. Yeah, they won in 2009. You want to say that was the year that they bought their champion? Okay, that was the year they bought their championship. But all those other years and, and, and the challenges, when they brought Tino Martinez, that was a trade. When they brought in Paul O'Neill, that was a trade. I, I mean, when they brought in Scott Brosis, Brocious, that was a trade. I mean, they didn't by those players. Those were guys that fit in. They were not superstar players. They just fit the culture of where the Yankees wanted to go. So I hate it when people say, well, you, you look right now at the, the Mets. Steve Cohen is buying his team. That's what he's doing. I, yeah. I mean, he has a core of players, but their core right now, besides Pete Alonzo and, and what, what's his name again? There's their hitter. The, um, I always McNeil. mess up. McNeil. And Nimmo. And, and Nimmo. Those three guys, you want to say that's a core. They're, they're, half their outfielder is bo- filled is bought. Their third baseman is bought. Their shortstop is bought. I mean, this is a, really a bought team. A championship. Max Scherzer was bought. I mean, Jason uh, Bassett was traded, so you want to say that. He was traded, but, you know, I'm just saying. I know a lot of people want to take shots at the Yankees that they bought their teams. They didn't buy their teams. And I hate it when people say it. Not you, uh, Sean. I'm not attacking you. I'm just saying. No, no, I get what you're saying. I, I, I just, I hate when people attack the Yankees. Like the Yankees dug into, you know, George dug into his pockets and said, you know what? I'm just going to buy everybody and I'm going to win championships. It doesn't work. It never worked for the Yankees. It Go look. It worked one year out of all of them. But that's just my opinion. Anyways, we are talking to international baseball writers, Yankee writer, Sean Negron. Uh, Sean, the Yankees, this, is, this could be the last year for Aaron Judge. Like you said, Chapman. There's a lot of players that are going to be off the books at the end of the season. Glaber Torres will be going into arbitration. Uh, the Yankees are going to have to decide what they're doing with him. I know the playoffs are right around the corner, and nobody cares about the offseason. But you have to start to worry about the Yankees uh, because this has been a problem over the last couple of years. And Hal and Brian, Brian Cashman could leave the Yankees next year. Uh, he's available. And... I, everything that Hal says is that he is it's a done deal. He will be signed at the end of the season. But who knows what's going to happen. Him and Brian can have a fight in the playoffs and say, you know what, sayonara, I'm going to the Mets. I'm going to be the president of the New York Mets. Who knows? But 
What are your thoughts to this Yankee team going into the playoffs and and possibly getting knocked out of the playoffs early and going into an offseason where there's a lot of what-ifs with this team? Absolutely. It really is up to what the Yankees do in the playoffs because if the Yankees go in and, you know, they play the first round ALDS, you know, assuming that they get the bye and they have the second seed. They play in the ALDS, but let's just, you know, what happens if they lose? I think Cashman is a done deal. I feel, I wish that they'd make Cashman kind of sweat it out a little bit and kind of work for it because it almost feels like it's guaranteed that he comes back each and every year. And, uh, but there's a lot of kids coming up, and I think there's definitely going to be some moves made. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a huge thing. If, if we get eliminated the way we do, Judge can most certainly look, you know, going into his age 31 year, he had to look elsewhere and just say, maybe I can win with the, this team or this team. Maybe there's a better shot. I, I need that ring and I want it. And this team will offer it to me. And, you know, obviously it's going to be Hicks is probably gone. Higashioka. It's going to be guys, hopefully, who should have their tenure in the Yankees. There's going to be other guys who I think uh, Cashman's definitely going to try to move, like Donaldson. There might, you know, I don't think Kiner Fleff is going to go anywhere. I think he's a good utility guy. I don't think he's a starter. But I think the Yankees like him as a middle a middle infield type guy. There's definitely a lot of pieces. Rizzo could, you know, he has that option to leave as well. If he sees Judge leave, I think Rizzo leaves. That's what, that's what I was saying um, in my podcast. I, I think, think Rizzo kind of- stays with the Yankees. His family loves it there. Uh, everything that I've read about him is that he grew up – uh, a big, huge Yankee fan, and yeah. I, I think he loves playing in pinstripes. I think he loves Yankee Stadium, and he loves that that New York nightlife. I don't think Rizzo's going anywhere. I, I think even if Giancarlo goes, I, I, I think Rizzo has uh, – what? I think he signed uh, – He's two got year. one year left. He has two years. He signed a two-year yeah. deal. So I, I think Rizzo will be there next year. I think Donaldson, they're going to have to figure out what they're doing with him because I don't know who's going to take that $25 million, uh, one more year on his contract. Uh, that's a lot of money, and the guy doesn't shut up, and he just <laughs> puts himself in harm's way everywhere he goes. So. Yeah. And he's had a horrible season. For a guy that's making $26, $27 million a year, he should be putting up better numbers. And in that kind of lineup, it's it's despicable. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. He I, I feel like he should have had at least twenty five home runs at the minimum by now. Yes. Um I think his offense offense has clearly not been what he you know, we know him to be. And even last year he had a pretty decent season with, with the twins. I thought we were gonna get that. Um but uh, I don't know if it's father time. I don't know what it is, but I think the Yankees are going to try to move him and kind of eat half that salary, whatever, whoever wants to take it, you know, sell some jerseys or whatever team's looking for one. Um, because it, it seems like, you know, Oswaldo Cabrera, you know, uh, Oswald Peraza and Anthony Volpe probably by May, June of next year is going to take over in that infield. I think what they, they love the fact that Oswaldo play the outfield, he's like a 10 years younger version of Marwin Gonzalez. So I think they found a like a really good deal with that. So I, I do think there's definitely going to be some moves made. Depending on how the Yankees close out this year, I could see them bringing this team back, kind of fixing up a little pieces, definitely getting a closer, a, like legitimate closer because we need one. And um, definitely work around maybe getting Benintendi back. I think they'll definitely bring back Carpenter. I think Carpenter will come back no problem. I think, you know, they've focused so many years – on trying to, you know, even out the lineup. And now that they finally got it, of course, everyone's hurt. Benintendi, the lefty, 
you know, uh, like I said, Carpenter, a lefty, you know, Rizzo's just coming back. I think they finally found that. And is Carpenter going to, is he playing in the playoffs? Is he, is he, he, he said today that no matter what it is, he's going to ask to, he's going to try to be a pinch hit role in the playoffs starting in the ALDS. He's really looking forward to if the Yankees clinch that second seed, getting that time off five days to really start to ramp up while the team is not playing any games. Hmm. Interesting. So uh, you mentioned when you were talking about one of the other questions that you had a issue with the way Hal Steinbrenner runs the team. What is it with you about Hal that really uh, makes it a negative for you? What bothers me, honestly, like, and I'm not trying to be like every other Yankee fan because everyone, you know, the second the Yankees lose three games in a row, it's it's Hal's fault. So, Mm. no, 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 it's Brian Cashman's fault. Yeah, yeah, it's it's Cash's fault. It's always something. It's always someone's fault. Someone needs to be fired, traded, let go. And DFA. Aaron Boone is a Trade stuttering. Him now. Aaron Boone is a stuttering idiot. You know, yeah, everybody worst is, manager in baseball. Yeah. <laughs> horrible, absolutely horrible. I think uh, honestly, though, what bothers me with Hal is that our team. If you look at our starting team, uh, starting lineup, seventy percent of them are players that we have traded for mm. or signed, but really traded for. I feel like Hal never wants to go for that big fish. And it always settles for kind of like the, not beta, but like the B option. What's option B? We could get this guy, but I like the other option. But we don't have to give up as much. And the other thing that bothers me with Hal, and, and because I think Brian is is kind of held back a lot by, by Hal. You know, he, he Brian has said that he every decision he makes, he has to ask Hal, make sure Hal is good with it. He doesn't make any decisions rashly on his own. He makes sure the team is good with it. I think another thing that bothers me with Hal and Brian and all them is that they hold on to prospects a little too long. When it clearly doesn't work, they really try to hold on instead of, you know, or they won't trade him for that big fish like we could. And they kind of hold on to him and hold on to him and hold on to him, hoping, oh, don't worry, he'll be great. Clint Frazier will be great. Miguel Andujar will be great. Doesn't work out. And then what do we end up doing with them? Just like today, you know, we just designated Miguel Andujar for assignment. And, you know, it's just another head-scratcher of... He's done. He's done know, as a what, Yankee. What, yeah. what did we do there? You know, I remember the the trade where we could have gotten Garrett Cole for Chance Adams, Miguel Andujar, and Clint Frazier, all in one thing from Pittsburgh. But we didn't want to do that, and then Houston took him, and then look what happened. Like, obvi- you know, Houston doesn't end up winning, but they turn into this powerhouse and, you know, eliminate us from the 2019 ALCS. So everything has an effect, and I feel like that's constantly... What happens, and it even happened in 2010. I I remember the day where the Yankees didn't want to give that extra little piece to go out and get Cliff Lee, and then Cliff Lee ends up getting traded to Texas. Cliff Lee, Texas. Cliff Lee did not want to be here. His wife couldn't stand yeah, yes. the New York crowds, and yes. and and Cliff Lee wanted to throw up. He he he, <laughs> he pretty much said every time I stepped on the Yankee field, I wanted to throw up. So, yeah, and I know, and I know he doesn't like New York. I know Zach Granke didn't like New York no. either. There's a bunch of them. Unfortunately, when you get traded, you don't get to control that. No. I just think that that number two behind CC Sabathia, and you form that Cleveland Indians, you know, rotation again back in 2007. You could have, you could have won again, but not trading that extra little piece cost us because then he faces us in the ALCS in Game One and Six and absolutely dominates us. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, uh, to me, when I when I think of 
obviously the New York Yankees of the mid-2000s. The thing that really stood out to me was the bad contract. Provano, horrible (laughs) contract. I mean, they decided to bring him in. They thought he was the Josh Beckett. For the Yankees, mm-hmm. as Josh Beckett went to the Red Sox, you saw what Josh Beckett did with the Red Sox, and Provano, you know, gets hit by a hot dog truck and he's out for the season. I mean, Red Sox pretty much took that whole Marlins team. I, I mean, it, it's horrible. It's, yeah. but then again, you know, this is baseball, and and the Yankees have been an organization that has won, and 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 they're the only organization in professional sports. In 30 years that have had winning seasons, no professional at team in any sport in history has been 30, you know, 30 seasons or 31 seasons now in a row with winning records. So you say whatever you want. You have to win championships. The Yankees are all about championships. Just look at what the Yankees have done. It, it's a pretty amazing feet of where the Yankees have been. It's, it's, it's unfortunate that it hasn't worked out when it comes to championships. So my question to you is, man. A lot of people think that this could be a year of the Subway Series. A lot of people. And with the Mets getting healthy, Max Scherzer, Jacob DeGrom, this could be the year last year for Jake. If he does become available, there are stories coming out that the Yankees would be interested in Jake. Uh, also, the Atlanta Braves would be interested in him. And if the Yankees don't sign Aaron Judge, I think Jake would be a nice little piece to uh, start right behind or even before Garrett Cole, that would be a great one-two punch. But, uh, you know, Jake can't stay healthy, but it's just a whole other story. But um, where, do, what are your thoughts to the Yankees and the Mets for the first time since 2000 going to the World Series and facing off against one another? That would be unbelievable because now with social media and how things are, it would be chaos. It would be incredible, too, because – you know, you would see everything came true for the Mets. And the second Steve Cohen became the the owner of the Mets and how everyone wanted to bring the Mets back to the World Series. And even I, I'm a diehard Yankee fan, but I was excited for the Mets. I, I still am. I love I love seeing the Mets do so do I. successful. Because I, that's exactly what I want. I want a Mets-Yankees World Series. Because who wouldn't want that again? Who wouldn't want all that? The Mets you know, don't want it. Every, you go to <laughs> you go to ten Mets fans right now, and you line them up in a row, and you ask them, "Would you like to see a Mets Yankees World Series?" I would say about I would give the Mets fans eight out of the ten would probably say no. Speedy, do you want to see the Mets versus the Yankees? Honestly? I just want the Mets in the World Series. I don't really care. <laughs> if, 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 I don't mind. I'm not going to. I'm not going to keep the Mets out of the World Series. My question to you that has nothing to do with the the Mets right. making the World Series. I would rather have the Mets play the Yankees in the World Series and the Mets not be in it at all. That's not my question. The Mets make the World Series. Okay, you got the Mets in the World Series. Do you want to see the Yankees? I don't prefer the Yankees. Uh, I don't really care about that. But, but he doesn't. What I'm trying to say is, um, Sean, is most Met fans, even they want to be in the World Series and they don't care if it, if it comes down to it, them being in the World Series against the Yankees, they would take it. But most of them would tell you they do not want to see the Yankees there because if they have to play the Yankees and they lose against the Yankees again, it would be an absolute crazy <laughs> onslaught that the Mets can't be the Yankees in a big game. And I, I don't think the Mets fans want to see it again. It happened in 2000. Uh, the Mets got embarrassed by the Yankees. They really did. And the Mets fans didn't want to see it again. And I'm sure Steve Cohen doesn't want to see that either. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, though, if the Mets were to win that, 
the Yankee the Yankee fans will say it's one one. Well, we have to play again. <laughs> well, yeah, that's but... what the Yan- that's what the Yan- <laughs> I know the Yankee fans. The Yankee yes, fans would too. make an excuse that it's one one. We won in two thousand. You won in two thousand twenty two. So what? That's what the and and by the way, how many championships do the Yankee? I'm a Yankee fan. <laughs> I'm a Yankee fan, but I I I'm a realist, and I I I don't like the Yankee fans. I think the Yankee fans are a bunch of idiots. That's what the Yankee fans would say. Oh, we got twenty seven World Series, and you have how many? Uh, three now. Big whoop. You know, that's what they'll say. They, the Yankee fans will make and find a way to accept. That's why I don't hate the Mets. I don't hate the Mets because I, I want the Mets to be competitive. I would love to see the Mets and the Yankees play against one another every single year in the World Series if it came down to it. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what I was saying. Like, I, I would love that. And I, I think, you know, Yankees and the Mets, like, it's just such fun atmosphere. It's the fans that ruin it for every for other fans. I agree. Everyone says what they want to say, and everyone's going – Everyone goes for the like the huge like gash like personal like it doesn't have to be personal like I get it you know your your fan base and you're obsessed and whatever but they that's the reason I think the Yankees would love to face the Mets as the Mets would love to face the Yankees you know and I I, I would I have wanted nothing more like I, I cheer for the Mets you know and and I, I know all the Yankee fans they love to look at the Mets like doing better than the Yankees right now and I'm like. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> like if we get if we're seeing each other November, you know, October thirty first, because I think that's game one of the World Series, then you know it is going it's going to be harder for the Mets to get to the World Series than the Yankees. Because the way it's set up for the Yankees, even though yes. I do not like Seattle, um I'd rather see Seattle than the Braves. I'd rather see Seattle than the Cardinals, you know. I'd rather see I don't want to see any of those teams. The Mets are going to have to go through those types of teams to to get into the NL the the National Championship, the National League Championship, and then they have to play the the top, you know, top tier American League team. Houston, the Yankees, maybe the Blue Jays show up there at Tampa or one of those teams. You don't want to play those teams either. So it is harder for the Mets to go and 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 achieve what they want to do than the Yankees. Who do the Yankees have to be? They got to play. They have to be. Cle- as of right now, it's Cleveland or Seattle, and then they'll probably have to play either the Blue Jays, Tampa, and Houston. Now, I think the Yankees would rather not play Houston because they don't play well in Houston. But again, I don't think the Yankees would give a crap. I mean, I just don't think they care if they're they're hot and they're actually hitting. On all cylinders, exactly. so it's—I I don't know. I'm frustrated I mean, with, the, with everything. It. Yeah, they show that they don't care about the record. And, yeah, you know, you know they wanted everyone. Every Yankee fan wanted that number one seed, and they wanted four games in the Bronx instead of you know four in Houston. Yep. Boone has made it clear from day one. Like, who cares? Yeah, you know, stuttering Bob. Yeah, stuttering <laughs> Bob over there. He, he, he I, I, <laughs> and I love Aaron Boone. I, I, I'm one of the only people, probably as a Yankee fan, that likes Aaron Boone. Okay. They have been running this man out of there for years. They don't want him there, and all he's done is won. He, 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 yes, he is coaching and managing the New York Yankees. That's fine. It's not that easy. Ask Joe Girardi, okay? Philadelphia Phillies completely bombs. Two years, he's fired, okay? It didn't work out over there. The most unmanageable bullpen of all time. Absolutely, and this guy was <laughs> an expert with the bullpen. I mean, seriously, so... I, it's it's ridiculous and, and dumb by the Yankee fans to really push this guy out. A guy that had no experience as a manager anywhere. I mean, this guy was 
working with A-Rod and a bunch of idiots at ESPN. That's what this man was doing. And, yes, he has the background to do this. Brian Cashman took took this, took him on a whim. He went to an interview, and he just wanted won the Yankees and, and management over by his interview. So yeah. I, I, I want to get into some MMA with you because there's some interesting things going on. But right. I, I, I will say this. I worry about the this playoff run for one reason. Going into an offseason for the first time as a Yankee fan where I'm questioning where this team is going. Are they are they going through the farm system? Are they going to bring Dominguez up? Is that why they're going to part ways with Aaron Judge and bring Jason Dominguez up, who is uh, a switch-hitting power hitter that could play center field, that could play right and left field for the Yankees for the future, and you have control of them? Volpe, who... A lot of people believe will make the team next year and could be the future shortstop. So maybe kind of Falefa, they trade him and they move Pereza to second base and they trade, uh, you know, they trade uh, Gleyber Torres and, and get something back for him and rebuild on this team. If, if Aaron Judge is gone, the only player or two players that could be on this team as veterans besides the pitching is probably Giancarlo Stanton and Anthony Rizzo. The rest of this team could be young, and, yep. and, 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 and that's it. They're rebuilding this team for the first time in many, many years. If, if, if Aaron Judge decides to, to, to part ways with this team, and it could happen, and I think that's the way they're going to go. I think they have, they have this, the eighth or ninth best farm system in baseball, and they have three players that they believe in, and even Oswald, um, who they called Peraza? up. Yeah, Peraza. Uh, not a surprise. The the kid in the uh, outfield, Oswaldo Cabrera, Cabrera, uh, who yeah. they like too. He could be the future outf- a future outfielder for the Yankees too. So, I think the Yankees are going to go young again, and and I think it's going to be a different Yankee team next year if if this team doesn't win. And ju- and obviously Aaron Judge decides to go to the Red Sox or goes to you know the Giants because the Yankees want to get under the cap. I think yeah. that's what the Yankees want to do if they if. If they can't sign Aaron, they're going to go under the cap. I think if they fail on Judge, I think they will try one last-ditch effort and they'll go for Otani mm. because they tried and they offered Ota- the Angels a pretty nice deal for Otani in, in the trade deadline. The, the Angels just didn't want to get rid of him. And, I, I you know, understandably so, that would be a PR disaster. But um, I think, the you know, the Yankees would go all in for trying to get Otani. You get that pitcher that the Yankees need, you know, because they're going to let Tyone go too. You know, they're going to have to get a rotation guy. You know, well, get Tyone that. has one more year left on his contract, I think. I think no, he's got... I think he is a free agent at the end of the is year. Is he? I think, he, I think they have control of him for one more year. I'm not much... – Speedy, look that up. I think it's one more year. Um, they they don't – they don't. Nestor Cortez is a free agent at the end of the season. They could lose Nestor. But Nestor's cheap. You can sign him. You could bring him back. Uh, he can't stay. He hasn't stayed healthy this year, even though he looked pretty damn good. As no, he's also. gone. He's gone after this year. Is Tyone? it Tyone? Yep, he's after. Tyone so, is gone, and Nestor has. Player. I think Nestor is on arbitration. Or, is he on arbitration? Yeah, I, I think. I think we have Nestor for the next like four to five years. Or really? Three, four I, years I, on arbitration. Well, they brought him from another team. I don't. Where's Nestor, Speedy? Um, I think he's a free agent too. 
But uh, I think the Yankees are going to – I think they could absolutely yep. look to – 2023 starts his arbitration process. So he's got three years arbitration control right now. So, so yeah. how does that make sense? I mean, he, he comes from the Orioles. He played for the Orioles. He, he's been jumping three or four different teams. Maybe he never got called up by those teams, so maybe know. that doesn't count towards the I know the time. Yankees. I know the Yankees drafted him. I know. It might, it, it's not the exact years. It's also the service time. they got to so. fix that stuff. I mean, that's so stupid. That, that whole yeah, they had a thing. chance, but they didn't do that in uh, the uh, – They need to clean that up. <laughs> during the offseason. It's horrible. So. It's nobody, absolutely horrible. Nobody said the baseball owners were smart. <laughs> it's a horrible <laughs> – I feel bad for the, the, uh, you know, the farm system and, and what they're getting paid. And, oh, yeah. It's just despicable what the the major league owners are doing. They're multi-billionaires, and they can't pay the players that are the future to baseball. It doesn't make any sense. Before we let you go, I want to get into some MMA conversation. And October 22nd is a big card for the UFC. There's quite a few matches that a lot of people are looking forward to. I I mean, the main event, and uh, everybody's looking forward to it. And you know what I'm talking about. Charles is, and I, 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 I love what, I love what he's done. Uh, he, he's not a talker. He, he's not a guy that stands out where everybody is. You know, Oliviera. He, Charles has been the, the face of what you want um, MMA fighter to be in, in the UFC. And he's, he's facing a guy that's lost one fight. He's been a dominant force, and he's I think he's won eight straight fights or something like that. Uh, he's been unbelievable in uh, Makachev, whatever his name is. I always mess up his name. Islam Makachev. Yeah. Makachev. So um, what is your thoughts to this card? I, I think Dana wanted to put it go, put it together the way he did, and I, I love the Jan. Uh, Jan, that's the one I want to see. Uh, Mali versus uh, 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 Peter Jan. Peter Jan, Peter Jan yeah. because I, I love Peter Jan. Um, I think uh, Aljamir Sterling, and I, I know Aljamir, and I'm not taking shots at him. Aljamir, if you're listening to the show, this is nothing against you. I think Peter Yan is a better fighter, okay? And and Sugar Shane O'Malley has been opening his mouth, and he's fought nobody. He has beat, beaten nobody, and he's ranked 12th in the Bantam bout against Peter Yan, who's the number one. He, I don't know how he how a number a ranked number 12 guy is fighting a number one guy, and that's because Dana White is an you know Dana White is an ass, and that's just the way I think of him. But uh, what is your thoughts to this uh, this card? I, I think T.J. Dillashaw, uh, he what he fought two fights, and now he's got a title shot. A title shot that's ridiculous. I I think it's it's all ridiculous, and that shows me why Dana White is the worst uh, worst president, commissioner, whatever the hell he calls himself uh, in in professional sports. So. Where do you see this card? Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I love this card. Um, because, it's the best card we've seen in a long time. Yeah. It, it, for So starting with, if we're doing just these three fights. Yes. I think Peter Jan Sean O'Malley was created on Twitter. Um, Sean O'Malley had been talking to Peter for so long. Of course. About if I get this chance, I'm going to you know mess you up. This, 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 and that. They've been talking for years. And I think with the fact that Peter Jan's on two straight losses to Aljamain, you know, one obviously is a disqualification, and then both the of them one. he won. Both yeah, of them he won. I think I had uh, Peter Jan winning the second fight as well. And I am a Ster- I know Sterling. I'm friends with Sterling. I train out here. I used to train out here. I I know the the whole group, Weidman and Aljamain. I know them all. Yep. I, I'm very good friends with all of them. I, I, he did not win any of those fights. Yeah, 
uh, it's it's a, you know that debate and you know but Peter Jan is just trying to make his way through and I think it's a perfect fight for Peter because if he just beats down O'Malley who you know he claims to be undefeated when he's not you know he could get himself right back into you know he's the number one fight. ranked he'll he'll probably he fights it's whoever tough, wins though. the the Sterling and Dillashaw fight. Uh, it's that's tough because when you go for two straight losses against the champion, it's hard to get a third one. It's hard to get that third fight. And, you know, it, it'll be tough for him to, you know, I don't know if they're going to want him to do it again. I'm I'm not sure there. I know they're going to look at other fighters to before Peter Yan. And that's why I think that's why Peter Yan took this fight. Just saying, you know, I want to, I want to fight the biggest guy in this division. One of the biggest names. Let me beat him down. Sean O'Malley, one of the biggest. Everyone loves Sean O'Malley. Beats him down. He can get right back in that conversation. Stay as number one. And then he can get right back to fighting Al Jermaine or Dillashaw. And I think what they really want, the UFC, is I think, and I'm not trying to say Dana White wants this or whatever, but I think they want Dillashaw to beat Sterling so that Dillashaw would fight Jan. Mm. And that would be the fight. Because Jan and Dillashaw have been going at it for like the last four or five years I, before Yama's was even a champion. I hate TJ Dillashaw. Yeah. Okay. I don't like him. I, I, first of all, why lie about taking steroids? Okay. <laughs> you were doing it. You're sitting here saying that you didn't even know it. Come on, dude. We're not stupid. You, yep. the, the steroid, it, it's a common steroid for you to lose weight. You were cutting weight, cheating it. And all these other fighters, they do it legitimately, and it's not easy doing. It's not easy cutting 20 pounds before a fight, 15 days or 17 days before a fight. And for him to sit there and try to cheat and lie his way out. And listen, he deserved it. He, he took his three years, his two years suspension, and he's back now. And to get a title fight this fast, do I think he could beat uh, Sterling? Yeah, I do. I think TJ Dillashaw could beat Sterling. Would. Absolutely. But will he? I mean, Aljamain has, for some reason, he's got the 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 judges on his side, the referee. Everything has worked out for Aljamain. He he yeah. is the champion right now. Shout out to him. He is the champion, but he's in the, he's the champion for the wrong reasons because mm-hmm. he didn't beat Petey on. And I and I I don't want to I don't want to turn this into a fight because this might hit social media and he might really <laughs> hate me for this, but. He didn't beat him. And for him to say that he did and he beat him twice, it's a joke. It, it, it's, and that's the truth. Sorry, Aljamain, but it, it's the truth. And I, I tried to have a conversation with him when I went to the gym recently. And uh, I, I didn't want to get him angry. But, you know, it, it, these are facts, you know. So uh, I think that these two fights are so very important to this division. The bantamweight yeah. is one of the biggest divisions right now in the UFC. There's a lot of good fighters. This is the welterweight division of like 10 years ago when you yeah. saw BJ Penn and George St. Pierre and obviously um, Matt Hughes and all these other great uh, MMA fighters that competed in that division and Nick Diaz. So uh, what is your thoughts? I mean, you look at these four guys. These are These are the biggest stars right now in that division. Yeah, and that's why I love this car because all four of them desperately need a win. Like, they all need it. 
And I know Sterling and the Yon thing, you know, Sterling had the body lock for two straight rounds and then kind of snuck that fifth round victory. I think Yon won all the last three rounds. But Dillashaw, you know, being the former champ, I, I knew Dana was going to do that. I knew Dana was going to give him one little, you know, tune-up fight, which I still think Corey Sanhagen beat him. And But, you know, they had to give it to Dillashaw because it creates this huge storyline. So Dillashaw wins, and I think I think Dillashaw does beat Sterling. I think Dillashaw has is way better striker. I think Dill, uh, Sterling is an incredible wrestler, and I think he will. You know, Sterling's going to try to wrestle. So is Dillashaw. Kind of, He's a great wrestler too. Yeah, but He's I think Sterling is, yeah. Sterling's not for knockouts or submissions. No. He's for points. He's trying to win points. He's trying to win that round. If you can win three. He's good, and I think that's what we've seen. Even before Sterling became a champion, that's what he was going for. Yeah. And I think Dillashaw is a you know championship made. Obviously, he's also a cheater, and I'm not you know I was never a fan of Dillashaw, and the the steroid thing kind of upsets me. But I still think Dillashaw has that championship mindset. I'll never forget the way he beat down Cody Garbrandt both times, um, and the way he did it. I he cheated. Think... He cheated. Yeah, and that's I... the way Garbrandt has spoken. He, When he found out he was on steroids, he said, wait a second. I'm the one who cut down his weight. I'm the one who drained myself. And this guy goes into the fight on steroids, uh, re- rehydrates himself like nothing like, like nothing really hit him. So yeah. it, it just I, he didn't beat Garbrandt twice because he cheated. And, and those yeah, those those wins that he has on his record should be taken away. I think that's what I think, too. I think so. And it's it sucks because when you see something like that, you see what what's happened to Garbrandt since. And that's the that's the lasting effect that steroids has. Yeah, you know, your success and all that is tainted, but look what you've done to the fighters. You know, Garbrandt loses and look at him ever since. He's never been nowhere near the same guy. He's trying to find a division that, you know, works for him and his, you know, and his body. You know, he just tried flyweight, he's getting knocked out quick. Nothing's working. I feel bad for him because if that never happened, who knows what his career could have been. Yep. Just like you know, Jose Aldo. We all know exactly. that story. You know, Gets happy me. for him and his retirement. Absolutely. Congratulations to him. Yeah. And I was really, I was upset with his last fight, but I, I felt right then and there like that, that could probably be it. And he's a legend. I, he's probably one, one of, of the my... nicest guys I've ever met. Yeah. He is yeah, one of the great. nicest, you know, MMA fighters I ever met. I didn't understand anything he said. He said, hello and goodbye. He's Brazilian. I, I can speak brazilian but uh the man is a legend and he's earned every bit of a hall of fame opportunity and uh that mcgregor fight pretty much uh you know and yes he shouldn't have fought in that fight because he had broken ribs he shouldn't have fought it was his mistake and he was never the same fighter after that it's unfortunate but look who look what it's created it created mcgregor and, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to get into McGregor talk, but McGregor. Oh, me, you don't have no, any idea uh, what uh, what back and, forth, the bear. back and forth <laughs> attacks I've had for, with Conor McGregor's team and Conor McGregor. I, we have been in an onslaught of arguments on social media and my show when I did a show called Caged in MMA. Um, and I'm bringing it back soon. He has him and his team are a bunch of I'm not going to say it on live radio, but. You know what I'm saying. I get it. I Bunch get of it. weenies. And yeah. if they if they got a problem with me, they wanted me to fly. They wanted me to fly to Ireland and fight them on their cards over there. They can fly here anytime they want. I am 40 years old. I am in pretty good shape, but not MMA shape. I would love to teach one of those little punks a little bit of a lesson because that's what they are. They're a bunch of punks that open up their big fat mouths and they think that they're tough. 
by talking on social media and scaring me like they scare me. Kiss my ass. That's what I said to them. <laughs> Sounds like the Dylan Dennis effect. Well, it's, you, know, you have no Dennis idea. Is one of those Dude, guys. I had I had them threaten me <laughs> on social media, threaten That's my incredible. family, okay? Telling me that if I ever stepped foot on I, – they would bury me so far under that my family wouldn't find my body, okay? And I, and I told them I – said, I said to them, listen, any place, any time here in the States, I would meet you. I will fight you on any – on your turf here in the States, and I will whip any one of your 205-pound fighters, any one of them. And they – you know, they they telling me, I'll give you 10000 I'll give you 20000 just fly over here. Why? So when I kick one of your asses, you're going to shoot me and put me, you know, put me where I... I don't trust any of those guys. I don't trust any of them. And they, all they do is with their stupid, I, their stupid A and their stupid little beer and whatever the hell they do over there, kiss my ass, okay? I'm not going to do it, but that's just... We're not getting into that. This is not a show for this. I'm... Uh, as everybody knows, we are talking to international baseball writer and Yankees writer, Sean Negron. Uh, before we let you go, man, um, on this card, I want to know your uh, your picks on who do you th- who do you have in these in the in, on the on the main card. I'm going to give you the fights, not the preliminaries. I could care less yep. about the preliminaries. Uh, I know a couple of fighters on the preliminaries, by the way. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a great yeah. card. Yeah. So, um, Caitlin. Uh, Chukugin and uh, Manin uh, Fiorat. Fiorat, uh, who do you have in that fight? I got Kaylin. I think Kaylin wins. I think Kaylin wins not easy, but I think she makes a statement. I think she wins in, within middle of the second round. Uh, Benil uh, Darush and Matash uh, Gamrat. I like Gamrat. I've, I've watched him fight a couple of times. People don't know who he is, but he is got a pretty good record he's 21 and one uh he's yep. fighting uh darush who is 21 and four uh both fighters are great on the ground and they can stand oh, up yeah. and fight you too so who do you got in that fight uh it's tough um for a long time i was gonna say Darush, and i it that is gonna be so neck and neck it's gonna be a really good fight but Darius, the way he took care of tony ferguson mm-hmm. but you know, as uh, that's why I was going to say Darius, but we've seen what Tony has turned into. Yes. So who knows how much it was? It was it the old Tony? Is it the new? So I, I think Gamrot makes a statement as well. I, I don't want to keep saying that, but I do think you know that. Uh, that's I got Gamrot. Gamrot. I got Gamrot in that fight too. I do. Yeah. I, he's the better fighter. He's the guy, he's up and coming fighter. I think he's going to be a champion one way or another. Uh, I didn't mean to take it away. I just saw the Yankees walked it off against the Red Sox. There so. you go. Uh, it seems like it's an everyday thing for the Yankees. Now. Aaron Judge <laughs> didn't hit the walk-off homer. No, he hit it 406 feet to center, though. Oh, so he close. missed the home run. Wow. But, yeah. It seems like it's getting so close, but no cigar. Uh, Peter Yan, Sean O'Malley. I think Peter Yan absolutely um, destroys him. I think he punishes him. I think he's going to punish him. Me too. And I love Sean. But Sean has had almost no real top five experience, really even ranked experience. You know, he finally got his first ranked guy. um, And, of course, I'm blanking on his name. But, you know, the whole eye poke thing and that whatever that was. But real no, no real experience. And to go from fighting unranked guys and calling himself the unranked champion, let's not forget. So now you're fighting the number one contender mm. in your division. 
I think Peter Yan has seen this plenty of times. I think he makes easy work of Sean O'Malley and uh, makes a huge statement. I got Peter Yan in this fight too, and I like Sean too. But I, yep. I and I like his persona, everything who he is as a as a as a fighter. I just think he doesn't shut his mouth, and I think Peter Yan is going to teach him a lesson and oh, shut yeah. it for him. So, uh, Aljamain Sterling and TJ Dillashaw. Who do you got? Dillashaw. Um, as much as I don't like Dillashaw, and Aljamain's, you know, where I grew up, Aljamain only lived like ten minutes from me. So, I. I'm a huge Aljamain fan. I was, but until he started talking smack and all that stuff about having the belt and beating Peter Yan that first time and doing all that social media stuff, that rubbed me the wrong way. And but I still think, even besides all that, I think Dillashaw is championship made. He's got that caliber in him, and they really want the Dillashaw Peter Yan fight. And I think Dillashaw wins. The only way Dillashaw. Loses this fight if it goes to split. If it goes to decision, if it goes to decision, yeah. there's no way the judges are going to give it to him because uh, the judges already hate him, and uh, you know everybody hates him. Even Dana White hates him. The only reason yeah. why Dana White brought him back is because he's still under contract, and uh, with the situation for what it is, um, he is he's still a, a name, and that's why yep. he brought him back. Yep. Uh, I think they want him to lose. I think Dana White wants them to lose. I, I just think, you know, but why not? T- I got T.J. Dillashaw, too. If it, I think Dillashaw knocks him out. I do. I think he knocks him out. I think he makes a statement, and then we see Dillashaw, Peter Yan in the, you know, in December at the end of the year where we expect a all-out brawl with these two guys that can't stand each other. And then the final, this is the big one, Charles Oliveira versus Islam Markov. Who do you got? I do think, though, that Islam is ready for the moment. And I think it's going to be a hell of a fight. It's going to be some – not much striking, I, to be honest with you. I think if, if you're going to have to be patient with this one as a UFC fan. I know everyone loves to boo the second it gets to the ground. But I think it's going to be very interesting. I think uh, Oliveira is going to – same thing, always get rattled and somehow pull some type of crazy upset. But I do think Islam is trained under Khabib and – you know, Khabib is championship made. He knows how to win. He knows how to pull you to that extra step, the extra length, the place you don't want to be to become a champion. And I think Islam gets it done. I think this is Charles Oliveira. I think who he is as a person and and how he fights. He's a good wrestler. He's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. He can stand up with you and fight with you. Uh, this man, he has been. As good a fighter in the last past year as anybody. He really has. Uh, uh, he is the champion. And the odds of him losing this fight, I don't care what Vegas says. Because I think Vegas has him losing on the odds. Um, yeah. I, I I think Charles is going to win this fight. And not only win this fight, I think Charles possibly taps him out in this fight. So I, I think he's going to put on, a, a, you know, a a fest of unbelievable, you know, taking down defense, everything. I like Islam. I think he's a good player, but I think he's been picking his fights. And I, 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 this Charles is, Charles is fought against really the best fighters in that division. So I, I, and nobody's beaten him. Even worries me with him is the weight cut. That's yeah. what gets me, and not not that he won't make weight, but it clearly has been an issue the last. Couple I didn't. Of I didn't think he was going to beat Dustin Poirier. I, I the way Dustin I mean, Poirier yeah. was fighting, 
I did not either. think he was going to beat Dustin Poirier. Not only did he beat Dustin Poirier, he embarrassed Dustin Poirier. Yep. Okay, so it's – I thought Poirier was on his way to being champion, and he was going to be a guy that was going to be very hard to beat. He won, like, what, five fights in a row, six fights, and then he fought Charles. And Charles just dominated that fight. He, he didn't even give Poirier an opportunity to win. And Poirier yeah. tried to kick him like he did against McGregor. And, and Charles just checked him and said, keep coming, keep coming. And and eventually he, he busted up Poirier's nose and, and made Poirier, you know, obviously at the end uh, pretty much give up. So I, I think I, I think Charles uh, Oliveira is, is the best fighter in that division. And I, I think he will knock – he will knock out uh, – I, I not knock him out, but beat Islam. In a very close fight, but I, I think he's the champion. I think the champion. Will I win. think I think whoever wins that fight is going to be fighting Volkanovski next. When Volkanovski comes up, he's going to come. Is up. Volkanovski he, coming up? That small. He little, said it. He said in his interview that little that he, small he little wants pecker. To be a double champ. That little yeah. pecker is moving up, and he could do it too because being you know a, a rugby player and all that, he knows how to move his weight quick. He doesn't stand so. a chance against in, in, in the bigger division. He doesn't stand a chance against any of these guys. He doesn't stand I think a that's definitely going to be the fight after whoever wins this. Yeah. That's going to be the fight. He's, I think that's what they're going to do with that. I think Connor's well, going to fight Tony. Connor, be a whole bunch of Connor, listen, things. Nate will. I think one way or another, he will fight Nate again. Connor, yeah, I do believe it. He will fight yeah. Nate. Uh, definitely. I, I think. I think that's almost a definite. I think Nate is going into bare knuckles. And I think yep. he wants to prove himself in bare knuckles because he, he knows he could fight as a boxer. Um, but I think in the long run, I think Nate will come back maybe in a one-fight fight to mm-hmm. fight Conor McGregor uh, to show everybody that he beat him not once, not twice, but three times and shut and, and really end Conor McGregor's you know fighting career because I, I think he's done anyways, but he would love to be the guy that, that – pretty much ended his career so yeah i think that'll probably be both of their last fights i think what they're going to try to do with connor because they they, they like to and I'm, I'm not trying to say i'm a connor fan or not a connor fan but i think they're going to softball it for connor and i think what they saw at that performance with tony ferguson 170 at welterweight both of them come back and they'll fight each other probably within three to four months i guarantee that'll be the announcement because they want connor to win connor wins all of a sudden all those fairweather fans come right back and then you can get Connor back into the the title shot contention conversations because don't, of the money please. he brings in. He doesn't stand a chance against Charles. Not a yeah, chance. I don't think so either. Not I don't a think chance. Islam, any of them. Oliver, Islam, uh, Dustin again, uh, Gaethje, any of those guys. I don't think he's – even Dariush. I think Dariush would mess him up. Yeah. I, I don't think he's got any shot. Yeah. But I think Tony, because of how much of that decline, yeah. it almost seems perfect for someone like Connor – to you know, put Tony away and then say he's the best again when he's when he's clearly not. Well, my friend, I we kept you on a long time, but you gave us some good it. takes uh, <laughs> with the Yankees and some MMA. I know Speedy doesn't know anything about MMA, so he's probably like, "What the hell are you guys talking about?" It's like <laughs> gibberish to me. But all I know, that. all I know is uh, Sean. The long, it's an ongoing thing with the Conor McGregor thing. I joke around all the time that Errol has his uh, his five most hated athletes, and Conor McGregor is like a distant number one from everybody else. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Spencer Rattler's probably number two, and then Steph Curry probably top three. But yeah, McGregor's uh, like a distant number one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't like Conor because Conor took shots at who I am, manly, and I he's aging called me. 
his his management team called me trying to not even apologize to me, but kind of tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about and who the hell do I think I am and all that other stuff. And I told him, I might not be a professional fighter. I could have been. I, I might not be a professional fighter, but I know I could whip his ass. 155 pounds. I'm 230, man. I will take you down and beat the hell out of you. I don't know who you think you're talking to. So I don't care. Everybody says, oh, he's Conor McGregor. He, he, he walks at, what, 180 pounds? I walk at 230. I, I squat. I bench him. I, I, I bench three of him, okay? I, I, I don't know why he thinks that I can't take him. I boxed. I'm a black belt in judo. I'm a black belt in kempo. I'm a, I'm a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I wrestled, and I was an all-world all boxer. I don't know where he thinks he's going to beat me. So um, he's an ass. And, and he's just a guy that I have a lot of respect how he made it in the business. He, he deserves it. He was on welfare. Now he's one of the richest fighters to ever you know fight in the octagon. But he is a punk, and, and so is his team. And I heard he's a nice guy in person, but when you attack me on social media the way he did, and I have, dude, I could send you the stuff that he sent me. He posted something on his Twitter, taking shots at me, not using my name, but doing it in a way where he knew I knew what he was talking about, you know. So he's an asshole. Excuse my language. That's what he is. That's what he is. And fortunately I, for me, I have not met him. <laughs> I, I was there at, in Brooklyn when he threw that. Uh, whatever you want to call it, chair or wasn't a chair like the dolly. Yeah. The dolly into the window. That could be, um, well, it wasn't at Khabib. It was, uh, what's his at name? The boss. Yeah, yeah. He's a piece of garbage. You know, he's a punk. So is his team. The, the, the little pets, you know, they follow him like the little punk that he is, you know, and they're, they're not scary. Dude, you flick them. They're like little skinny, scrawny little punks. You know, they're even their manage, even his management team. They don't scare the hell out of me, threatening me and telling me, you know, we have good lawyers. Were you threatening me? I, you, you can have all the lawyers you want. I didn't say anything, and it's freedom of speech, bud. This isn't Ireland, and his. And by the way, his management, they're from here. They're from the United States, and you know what I'm talking about. And I doubt they're listening to me because they can't stand me. But f them too. So there you go, uh, Sean. We really appreciate. It. We'll get you on soon, man. We and uh, we're going to keep your, you know, we're going to keep your picks, and we're going to see how All we match. Right. The only one that I disagree with you really is uh, the main event. That's really it. I mean, everything. I guess else. that's why you know you the UFC is doing as well as it's doing because you don't have heavy favorites and people automatically assuming. I think the obviously end. there's the Usmans and the Adesanyas of the world, but yeah, uh, that's that's the business that they're in. You, you like know, the UFC the where it's where it's heading. I think they're bigger and better than ever, obviously. Really? But I think the the kids that are coming up in the UFC are going to be huge. I like the kid Rosa. I, I think he's going to be the 17-year-old kid. I think he's going to be special. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying like if you look at if you look at the division, if you look at what Bantamweight has turned into, even the lightweights, the kids that are coming up in lightweights, they're going to they're going to overpass all these kids, all these guys right now. I hope so. You know, I don't like so quick. I don't like the way way it's going, honestly. I think boxing's moving in a better direction right now. I really do. Uh, I would hope so. It, it could uh, not have been much worse a long time ago. There's so. a, there's a lot of good fighters, man. There are a yeah. lot of good fighters yeah. right now, but uh It's good though. It's more entertainment for all of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sean, you're awesome. Thank you, man. Hey, thanks so much. Ah.
We were just talking to international baseball writer and Yankees writer, Sean Negron. Very nice guy. Mm-hmm. Knows his stuff. Yeah. I, I, we probably, like, threw you, you know, you threw your curveball. You, you had no idea what we were talking about. I recognize some names. That's about it. It was, like, gibberish to you. <laughs> yeah. I, I literally le- re- might have recognized maybe two names. You know, that's why, why people say that what makes me a special radio show host, and I don't blow myself up, is I know – Practically about every single sport. You sit here. You give me a sport. I, I'll I'll give you. I could talk sports with you a whole day. We I just we just spoke about one card and went through player you know fighters and stuff like that. And I I know all about their strengths and their weaknesses and even boxing. You want to get into boxing? I'm not a guru, but I know a lot about boxing. So you're not going to throw me off and say, oh, I'm not Stephen A. Smith. Hmm. pretending that I know about boxing because I'm friends with Floyd Mayweather. I boxed. I understand the game. I understand the fight world. So that's it. So, uh, Speedy, we have, you know, an hour left to the show. Uh, By the way, um, I'd like to thank, obviously, Ralph uh, Vacchiano for joining us. He is one of the more respectable, you know, writers and analysts and reporters right now in, in, in football. He's very well respected. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sean Negron, who is a new guy, who I think has a lot of quality features. And if you haven't checked his stuff out, check his uh, Yankee podcast out. And uh, he knows his MMA, too. So check him out. I, I, I really like what, uh, what I heard from him. Uh, we got into basketball. Now we're going to get into some football. Uh, we're going to go through the NFL Week 3 games and kind of – you know, go through the games and make our decisions. By the way, uh, the Browns look like they're going to knock off the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, they blew, blew a 14-point lead or 13-point lead with under two minutes to go last week, so we can't count it out yet. Yeah, but I think they're going to win. And, of course, the Jets are going to have to face the Pittsburgh Steelers in a loss. Full circle. So, so they, back-to-back they, 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 come, they come back on the Browns. They both play on Thursday Night Football. And now the they, Jets get to play the, and the, now the Steelers to, out for redemption. And now they have to play the Bengals that are 0-2, lost against the Cowboys. And then they have to play the Steelers that have lost mm-hmm. two games against Miami and the Browns. So, wonderful. The Jets are positioned very, very well to fail, ladies and gentlemen. But uh, he was fantastic, yes. by the way, Sean. Uh, Sean uh, Negron, who is very, very good. So, Speedy, are you ready yep. uh, to go through the schedule? Uh, so I know people are looking forward to hearing our picks and throughout. And obviously, I had the Browns winning this game, by the way. but uh, I did, too, and I'm actually pretty close on the score. I had 23-17. It's 23-14 I had right 24-17. Now. All right, nice. So, um, But all right, here we go. All righty. Game number one, Speedy. Sunday, September 25th. The Saints in Carolina. I have the Saints in this one. I have it in pretty big margin in this one. The Panthers' offense really has not impressed me, especially in the red zone so far this year. I don't think we've seen Christian McCaffrey, the full slate of, it, of what his running ability could be like. And the Saints' run defense has always been brutal. I don't think you're going to see it this week either. I think the Saints, uh, out for kind of redemption after what happened last week with the whole Lattimore-Evans fight, I think they get their re- redemption here. The Panthers' defense has been up and down kind of too so far this year. So I'm going to take the Saints pretty big. I'll say 23 13. Oh, I like Carolina in this game. Ooh. I, I really do. It's going into Carolina, and nobody thinks Carolina is going to win this game. Both games this season were very, very close. I like what I saw in certain aspects of the game, and this is the first time in NFL history that a, punt, a, a field goal kicker kicked 50, a 57-yard 
field goal in both the games, and they that team lost. I, I absolutely believe Carolina wins this game. I think it's a close game. I think they beat the Saints. I, I'm not I, – I don't like what I've seen offensively with the Saints. They have been horrible. I mean, look what they did against Tampa. It was 3-3 in the fourth quarter. They can't score. I'm not saying Carolina is as good defensively as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I don't I don't think the Buccaneers are a world beater either. I, I like Carolina. I think they're going to be able to run against the Saints. Give me Carolina in this game. I think it'll be close. 24-21 on a field goal. Houston, Chicago. Probably the two worst rosters in the league going at it. Uh, I'm going to take the Bears in this one, though. I think they Justin Fields has a little bit of a rushing attack more game against a type of base zone defense that Lovey Smith likes to play. Obviously, the Bears are very familiar with that. Not this particular team, but uh, I think the Texans will be able to run in this game. The Bears have had some trouble stopping the run, so I do think it will be close, but I think this is to be the dual game for Fields where he does well both running and passing. I'll take Chicago 27-20. to Oh, I like Chicago in this game. Even though Houston's played well both weeks, even against Seattle, they were in the game all the way in the fourth quarter. Broncos. I'm mean, sorry, the Broncos. Uh, they were in the game all the way into the fourth quarter, and I, I, I don't like what I've seen with Russell Wilson so far early in the season. That might be because of Nathaniel. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, I, I, I like Chicago in this game. I think it'll be very, very close. I expect Justin Fields to show up in this game and shut the fans up. I, I mean, he said some interesting things at the end of the game, and he apologized. Go out there and put uh, you know put up a good score. So I got Chicago in the game, 17-10. Um, Kansas City, Indianapolis. This will not be close because the, in addition to how well the Chiefs' offense has played this year, their run defense has actually been really good, and the Colts' best player is Jonathan Taylor. So have fun with that. Steve Spagnuolo has done a great job with his blitz packages so far early in the season this year. We saw it late in the season last year. Uh, Michael Pittman might come back for the Colts this week. It's still going to be determined, but their second and third receivers are going to look great either. This will be an absolute blowout. 41 to 21, KC. I think this is going to be a close game. And I'll tell you why. Indianapolis cannot lose this game. They cannot go into a game and lay up a lousy goose egg. Because if they do that, I mean, Frank Wright could be looking for a new job before the season's end. This team was supposed to be a playoff team. They were supposed to be competitive. A lot of people thought they could surprise everybody and be the AFC representative this year. They just haven't been good. They haven't looked good. They played two of the worst teams in football, the Texans and the Jaguars, and they should have lost both those games. They got lucky. Uh, but I think it'll be close. I think if Pittman plays in this game, uh, I think they still can run against Kansas City. I think Kansas City's defense has not been good. Their offense has been fantastic. Patrick Mahomes, if they can keep Patrick Mahomes in this game, I think Indianapolis could win. I think this game goes to overtime, but I think Kansas City is too powerful offensively. I, I say Kansas City wins the game 32-29. to 29. Uh, Buffalo, Miami. This game will be close Best for sure. Best game of the week. Yeah, this looks like looking like that way right now. It's a question of which Dolphins defense you're going to get because they obviously played well in the second half against the Ravens but did not play well in the first half against the Ravens. So which one are you going to get in that matchup? The secondary has still been a little spotty with the big plays. That's why I'm going to give the edge to the Bills here. I think it's going to be close. They're just going to get a couple more big plays. And also the Dolphins' offensive line. I think this will be a, definitely a test. We've definitely seen the effect Von Miller has had on the Bills' defense. A lot of their young pass rushers are playing really well this year so far. But they're not blowing teams out. like they, They're not going to blow the Dolphins out like they've blown teams out so far this year. This will be close. I'm going to say 27-21. One bills. Um, it's in Miami. Mm-hmm. It really is. And there's something that tells me that this Miami team isn't a fluke. I, I really don't. And I don't like the Buffalo Bills secondary. I don't. Not against Waddle and not against Tyreek Hill. Um, 
I got Miami in this game. I think Miami's going to win this game. I think it'll be very close. It'll be back and forth. I, I think Buffalo will put pressure on Tua. Tua will make some mistakes, but I think they have enough running power, and I think they have enough offense in the air to win this game. Give me Miami in this game. I think Miami wins 27-24. Uh, Detroit, Minnesota. This will look a lot like the uh, Lions-Vikings games last year. Very close, very down to the wire. The Lions, I give them credit. They've been very good in the second half of games so far this year offensively. I'm going to take the Vikings. I think they just have too much matchup advantages in this game with the outside presence. Uh, I, when you look at the Lions defense last week, Washington doesn't really have as much with the outside presence outside of Antonio Gibson when it comes to the slot areas. I think the Vikings can expose that. But I think the Lions can run, and I think the TJ Hawkinson is a big game. They're going to keep it close. But I'm going to take the Vikings in a shoot out at home. I'm going to say 34-27. I like Minnesota in this game because it's in Minnesota. If it's in Detroit, I have Detroit. I, I like what I saw with Detroit last week, and I don't like what I've seen with Minnesota. I think Kirk Cousins is forcing the ball to Jefferson too much when he has other wide receivers on his team. Thielen saw the ball in the fourth quarter. He didn't see it all game until the fourth quarter. You have the weapons. You throw it to your weapons. Kirk Cousins is forcing the ball. If he does it against Detroit, with Hutchinson, you know, sacking the quarterback as, as well as he has in, in early of the season. I think he's got like four and a half sacks already. I, I, he's on his way to being a Micah Parsons this year. He's been fantastic already and one of the better pass rushers in the league. I've got Minnesota in this game and a close game, 17-14. Uh, Baltimore, New England. We've seen two extremes with the Ravens against the Patriots defense in the past. Lamar Jackson had one of his best games in his MVP season against the Patriots, and then the next season, the Patriots had have been one of his worst games. So this one I think will be somewhere in between. I'm going to take the Ravens. I think this was going to be a little more, though, of a spread it around type game though I think the the, the Ravens are the Patriots are going to take away Mark Andrews and I think the Ravens are going to be forced to use other those other guys but you saw some of those other guys play well against the Dolphins in the first half so I think it'll be the random the second and third string guys showing up and John Harbaugh getting the best of Bill Belichick in this one and then the Ravens defense against the Patriots offense big time mismatch even with the Ravens still having some injuries up front so I'm going to take the Ravens I'm going to say 27 to 17. Last week it was a horrible loss by Baltimore and heading into New England I think Lamar Jackson has a lot to prove. Uh, Bill Belichick has had, you know, Lamar Jackson's number really since he's come into the league. This isn't the same Patriots defense. This isn't the same secondary that we've seen with J.C. Jackson and, 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 and the players that we've seen over the years. I like Lamar Jackson in this game. I like the, the defense of the Baltimore Ravens to put pressure on Mac Jones, who has no weapons whatsoever. He has practically a bunch of clowns out there. So um, give me Baltimore in this game. I think Baltimore wins 30 17. So Rex Ryan's playing for the Patriots now? Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, pretty much. <laughs> uh, Bengals, Jets in MetLife. Yeah, I I know the, the Jets did definitely did look good in that comeback last week, but this just feels like the Bengals redemption type game. They've been they're not this bad. They can't be this bad. I and they also have a couple of good matchups I like in this game. I like Tyler Boyd and I like Joe Mixon to redeem himself. I think the Bengals run defense is due to wake up. The Jets off Jets offensive line's been fine, but I, I think the Bengals offensive line as well will have to improve a little bit. And here's the thing the Bengals defense, while they haven't been bad in the fourth quarter, have been collectively still pretty good this year. So I think the Jets get off to a slow start and then they'll be playing from behind a lot of the time. I think this is the Bengals redemption week. Sorry, Jets fans. 30-17. I got the Jets in this game. I do. There's something that tells me I, I think something woke this bear up. And I think this is a big game for the Jets. I think a lot of people think that even though it, it, I listen to Rex Ryan, he thinks that this the, the Jets are the favorites of this game. I, I, I think the Bengals are the favorites in this game because of what they did last year. 
I don't like the offensive line with the Bengals. And even though the Jets haven't put any pressure on really any quarterback in the last two weeks, I think they're going to find a way to put pressure on Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow's going to make mistakes. He holds on to the ball too long. And I like Garrett Wilson. I don't know who on in their secondary is going to stop Garrett Wilson on Sunday. And Brees Hall, if he continues doing what he's doing and Michael Carter actually gets the ball, this could be a really fun, high-flying offensive game. I think it'll be a big game offensively. I think it could be over 60 points. I've got the Jets winning the game 32-30. Tennessee, Vegas. Uh, two very disappointing teams this year. Uh, I'm going to take the Titans just because I trust them to win ugly a little more. I think this is going to be a very sloppy game both ways. Uh, I don't trust either secondary right now, but I think the Titans just have a little bit better with the coaching. The Raiders have done a lot of like sloppy fundamental things. The Titans have gotten outmatched by the Bills. Everyone gets, has gotten outmatched by the Bills. I trust them in a grittier type game. And the Raiders, they've been a little better stopping the run, but it's still not a big strength up front for them. So I think Derrick Henry does play a little better in this game. So I'm going to take the Titans. Close game, 23-20. I got Vegas. I, I do. I, I, I don't like what I've seen so far, but I don't know who the Tennessee Titans going to stop offensively uh, when Adams is out there. Uh, Tennessee's offense has been putrid. I think Derrick Henry, Henry will finally be able to run against this defense because this defense has been putrid. But I think Jacobs is going to be able to run against this Tennessee Titans defense as well. I think this will be a high-flying offensive game. Uh, two really good, uh, you know, talented offensive players on their team. Uh, Tennessee has a great running back. So does Vegas. And I but I think there are more weapons on Ve- uh, on the Vegas uh, Raiders. Uh, give me the Vegas Raiders in Tennessee, winning a very close game, another close game, 30-24. to 24. Philadelphia, Washington. I love this matchup for the Eagles. I think this is a 4-3 type base defense. They play a lot of zone. I think Jalen Hurts is going to have a, one of the best dual threat games you'll see for a while. I like to get Dallas Goddard another big game in this one. And like the they played against the Vikings last week, a lot of good with the running back platoon the Washington football uh, Washington commanders have had a lot of trouble stopping the run so far this year second half against Jacksonville last week against Detroit and they give up some runs in chunks too and the Eagles defense really impressed me against Minnesota last week putting on a master class against that wide receiving core so I think it'll be a little harder I think either one of McLaurin or Dotson is going to struggle in this game and that'll be enough for Washington's offense to not do much plus Carson Wentz against the Eagles uh, former team pressure uh, I think he'll have some picks in that game so I'm going to say Eagles 34-21 I like the Eagles in this game I think they're the best team in the NFC right now. Uh, they're compacted with talent. Uh, they're secondary defensively. They're front seven. They, they rain fire. They have the best or one of the best offensive lines still in football. And Jalen Hurts, who a lot of people thought was going to be their weakness of this team, has been their strength. I like the Eagles in this game. I think it'll still be close because it's in Washington. The fans are going to be crazy. Give me the Eagles to win this game 27-20. Uh, Jacksonville and Chargers. It seems like Justin Herbert's going to play. He's been practicing all week and looking very good. So I think this is the Chargers, and I think this is a blowout. I don't think this is even close. Jacksonville secondary, still not great. I love a lot of these receiver matchups. I think this is finally the game. You see some of uh, you see somebody like Mike Williams go off. I know he did well against the Chiefs in the first half, but that's really been it for him. Keenan Allen looks like he's going to play again, too. I think Justin Herbert, again, he's going to battle through a lot of pressure with Jacksonville's pass rush doing pretty well, and he's going to take some hits, but I think he's going to have a very inspirational type performance off that bad injury last week. 34-20 Chargers. I, I, the one thing that I think they're going to have a problem with uh, Jacksonville is that offensive line is not going to be able to stop 
this power pass rushing team. I think they're going to have seven or eight sacks in this game. They're going to dominate the line of scrimmage. They're going to hurt Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I, I don't know how they're going to block these guys. They're bohemians. Joey Bosa and uh, Big Bear himself coming off the line. I just I don't know what they're going to do. I it, I don't think it's going to be have anything to do with the offense. Even if Justin Herbert is healthy enough to play, I think still think he's going to be protecting himself, and I think he's going to run first, throw second uh, to protect himself. But I think it's the battle of the defense, and I think the Chargers are just too good defensively in this game. 32 to 17 Chargers. Um, Rams and Arizona. This is going to be a good game. I actually don't think that way. I think the Rams are going to win in a blowout here. I think the Cardinals, like the Jets last week, have a little, a little bit of a letdown to start the game. I think the Rams, they look really good in the first half, obviously bad in the second half against the Falcons. But there's a couple matchups that I think the Cardinals had trouble exposing that we've seen in years past that the, the Rams can take advantage of. One is the tight ends. I don't think they've used Zach Ertz enough. I don't know. I don't really trust Cliff Kingsbury the way he's coached this offense. Kyler Murray will create. He'll have rushing yards, and I think he'll have some nice play extensions in this game. But I think their offense is still going to have trouble as a whole. And defensively, uh, the Cardinals have a lot of weaknesses in their secondary. I think this is the finally the game you see some big flash offense from Matthew Stafford. I'm going to take the Rams pretty big blow, uh, semi-big blow at 34-20. This game could go either way. I think both teams are, are powerhouses. I, I like what I saw with Arizona, even though they, they, look, they look bad in the beginning of the game. Kyler Murray brought that team back. I think they have weapons offensively and they, what do they have? Three more games left until they have Hopkins back and then watch out for Arizona. I think they're going to be a scary good team. But I have the L.A. Rams in this game. I think it'll be close. This is the same team that knocked the Arizona Cardinals out of the playoffs last year. I expect Kyler Murray to go out and put on a show. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Arizona wins. And I might decide to change my mind before the game. But I have the Rams to win this game. I think it'll be close. 27-25, uh, the Rams win the game. Uh, Atlanta, Seattle. I'm going to take the Falcons in this one. They've battled in a lot of their games so far. Obviously, they blew the lead against the Saints, but they almost came back last week against the Rams, which was, was pretty impressive. I think they have some big playability with this offense. I wouldn't have expected to see at the beginning of the year. I, I think this is finally a game you see Kyle Pitts break out in this game. The Seattle's a lot of – they have bigger corners, but still not great corners on this team, and their linebacker depth definitely not the same losing Bobby Wagner. So I think him and Drake London have a big game. Seattle will keep it close with some big plays because Atlanta's defense isn't great either. But I think Atlanta wins it. It wins it close, 30-28. to 28. Uh, if, you're, if you're an owner of Kyle Pitts, this is the game that's going to break him out. I think he's going to have an amazing game. I do not believe the Seattle Seahawks are going to be able to stop Kyle Pitts in this game or Drake London. I, I think both guys are going to have big games. Marcus Mariota could have a running touchdown. I think they completely demolished Seattle in Seattle. Uh, this is not a good Seattle team. I like their secondary. I like what they've done so far defensively, especially against the Broncos. But th the Falcons have some weapons. They have some pieces. I really like what I've seen. So um, give me Atlanta uh, in this game. I, I think it's not even close. I think Atlanta puts a 40 spot in this game. Ooh, all right. Yeah, I think Seattle scores like 17. I think it's like 41 to 17. I think this is going to be the biggest and highest scored game in, of, of the week. So there you go. So it looks uh, like their playoff matchup from 2016. Yeah, I think they're going to – I think Atlanta's going to kill them. Uh -huh. uh, Green Bay, Tampa. I know Rodgers and Brady's getting all the hype. This is going to be a low-scoring game. Both their defenses have played better than their offenses. I know the Packers' defense had a trouble. In the, no Godwin. 
Yeah. And no Mike Evans. No Mike Evans on who the hell's playing for the Packers or wide receiver. Good luck with that. Tampa can stop the run. That's going to be a tough matchup for Green Bay. And the Packers have done a, uh, they did a bad job last week against the run, but the Buccaneers, again, they're kind of up and down when it comes to running the ball. So I know Rodgers and Brady's getting the hype, but this is a low-scoring game. I'm going to take the Buccaneers. I think Brady leads, leads them late. Close game in Tampa, 20 to 17. Oh, this is Green Bay's game. I, I absolutely believe Green Bay wins this game. Uh, I think Rodgers has the running backs. I think he has two nice weapons in Dylan and, and Jones. I think they're going to be able to use those weapons in the open field. I like that he's figuring things out offensively with his wide receivers. I think they're getting better week by week, and you're going to see this offense get better and better each week. I like Green Bay in this game. I think they go into Tampa and knock them off and t- gives Tampa their first loss of the season. Uh, give me Aaron Rodgers and the Tampa Bay, uh, the Green Bay Packers knocking off the Buccaneers 21-17. Uh, San Francisco, Denver. Hey, Nathaniel Hackett, you're going to get a good dosage of what real coaching is going to look like in this game. I think the 49ers win, and I think they win by double digits in this one. The Broncos have had trouble stopping the run this year. You saw Seattle be able to run outside a lot, especially with Rashad Penny, which the Niners, that's their main main priority with their offense. Outside zone-type rushing, a lot of motion. I think they're going to really do well, even with backup running backs in this game. Uh, Broncos secondary, they're pretty good, but I think the Niners receiving depth will help too, and they might get George Kittle back. He's practiced all week so far too. And the Niners defense, yeah, forget about it, against that awful play calling. Russell Wilson will get some big plays here and there, but I, I got the Niners double digits, 24-14. <sighs> this is going to be an interesting game, and I think it's – I don't think it's double digits. I think this game will be close. Uh, Jamie Garoppolo versus Russell Wilson, uh, I think these are – Two quarterbacks that know each other very, very, very well. They've played in the same division for all those years. But I, I, I want to pick Denver in this game. I, something tells me Denver's going to go into this game and win. But I, I think San Francisco's behind Jimmy G. I think it's a completely different San Francisco team. And I got San Francisco in this game. I think they're going to be able to run against this Denver team. And I think... They've got the weapons to do the things in the open field. I think it'll be close. I think Denver will have a chance to win. But I like Jimmy G. I, I do. Um, I have uh, the Broncos losing to San Francisco 30-27. to High-scoring game. Yes. Um, and the final game of the week, your New York boys in blue versus the star man himself, the ganger of, of bangers, the Dallas Cowboys. Well, Jerry, if you want to have a quarterback competition with Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott, you're more than welcome to, but I think the Giants' defense is going to end that this week. I don't think Cooper Rush has a good game in this one. CeeDee Lamb might get his, but I, I, again, the Giants' secondary has played well this year, and they're getting some guys healthy again. Their backup edge rusher is playing well. I think uh, this is going to be a battle of the defensive coaches. I think Dan Quinn coaches a good game for the Cowboys. This will be close, but the Giants have been clutched so far this season. You've, you've seen it in close games, coming back in the fourth quarter in both. I think this is a gritty defensive game. I think Saquon on the receiving end will be a bigger deal than him with the rushing so far. But I, I also think the Giants will get other weapons involved. I think Dable outcoaches Mike McCarthy in this game. Giants win it 20-13. to 13. I picked the Giants the last two weeks. You did. I, I have. Know. I know you did. And, and I'm picking against them this week. I think Dallas goes into New York. I think this defense is for real. I think the Dallas Cowboys are for real defensively. I think they're going to rain havoc on this offensive line. That didn't look good last week against the Bengals. And the Bengals 
don't have the defensive line that the Cowboys have. Micah Parsons could be the best pass rusher in the league. He is impossible to stop, and they move him all over that defensive line. And I believe Dan Quinn will be a head coach next year on somebody, on somebody's team. I, I, I like the Cowboys in this game, not because of Cooper Rush, not because of any of that. I think, the, I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to be able to run against this defense. I do. I think Zeke has played well. I think they're going. he's going to be able to run. They'll use Pollard a little more. Um, I, it's not that I don't think the Giants have played good football. I, I just think, I think right now they have not protected Daniel Jones. And I think this team is going to put pressure on Daniel Jones. And you know what happens, Giants fans, when you put pressure on Daniel Jones. Uh, a lot of fumbles, a lot of mistakes. We haven't seen a lot of that with Dable. I think we see it in this game. I think it's because of the Cowboys' defense on why the Cowboys win the game. I think it'll be close. I think the Giants might have the lead going into the fourth quarter. But in the end, the Cowboys win 22-17. Yeah, Dan Quinn will be a head coach sooner or later. Maybe he'll be the Broncos coach like he was meant to be. Probably. <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't give him the job. Well, yeah, they're regretting that now, seemingly. Dan Quinn is one of the best. <laughs> Dan Quinn is one of the best defensive minds in football. You know, and, and what he's done with that Cowboys team since he's taken over has been absolutely remarkable. And uh, Micah Parsons is something special, man. I, he was all over. Oh, you could shut the music. He was all over the place last week. All over the place. He made Joe Burrow have to look. When he's stepping back and making his five steps, he was looking behind him. He was looking behind himself before he even thought about throwing the ball. That's how how fast Micah Parsons is. And they tried to double-team him. He's just so fast off the edges. The man's not a big man. He's not a big guy. What's he, like 5'11", 6 foot? Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a linebacker safety type. He's 215, 220 pounds. It's he's crazy. Not, yeah, he's not, he's not known for and his he's, size. And he's moving around these offensive linemen at a 330, 340, and they can't touch him. Mm-hmm. His blocking technique and his versatility is so good his hands at this level. because He was thought of as a middle linebacker type out of the draft, and he's expanded to even a bigger role where he he's could be He's the best player in that draft. So, so far, it looks that way. And you're looking at a case where he his value, where you don't know where he's going to play in certain spots, is still showing. A lot of people saying in the, coming into this year, because of all the guys that they lost, that he was just going to be just a pure pass rusher. He's more than that. And that's a good draft. I mean, Jamar Chase came out of that draft. There were a lot of great Sean players. Slater. Yeah, there yeah. was a lot of good players that came out of that draft. But Micah Parsons, the way he's playing, I believe in two or three years, he could be the best pass rusher in the league. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's a, that's a guy that could get you 17, 18 sacks a, a, a year. Every single year. I mean, uh, for the next 10 years, he could be dominated. His game predicates on, you know, his speed. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So as you get older, your speed goes, and, you know, maybe he builds size or whatever he does. But for the next 10 years, this guy's going to be as good as anybody, you know, on the edge. So uh, it was a great get by the the Dallas Cowboys. I think the Giants are regretting it. I, I really oh, yeah. do. I oh, mean, yeah, the Giants draft. Could you imagine? Well, well, I mean, yes, could they you traded back for the extra him draft and Thibodeau picks. on that defensive line. Yeah, I mean, the Giants looking at that draft. I, I guess they did well in terms of trading back again to the extra pick, but still, uh, Canarius Tony, uh, nah. 
He hasn't played much this year. Well, they drafted Thibodeau as their first pick. That, that that's their pick. So it would they wouldn't have Evan, gotten Neal. Uh, no, Evan Evan Neal wasn't was their pick. It, that was the Bears' pick. The Giants' pick was Thibodeau. So they wouldn't have had Evan Neal. So that's we'll what see. I'm saying. Oh yeah, okay, you did say that's right. what I, I said. That I mixed it up in my head then. But nevertheless, yeah, that would have been the pick. So yeah, that would have been the the edge rushing duo to get it there. Thibodeau and Parsons. I mean, uh, so you have the edge rushing duo, nice. But again, you, what would be your second round pick, and what would be your replacement I'm for Evan Neal? Is another question. If, if you had him and Thibodeau on two different sides of the line. I mean, Oh, no, Wick Martindale defense is fantastic. That yeah. would be pretty scary mm-hmm. for the New York Giants, and we've seen the Giants win Super Bowls with great defenses and great edge rushers, so I think that would have been unbelievable to watch those two guys be play. The first, if that was the case, that would be the first good 3-4 yeah. one in a while, too, since the 80s. It is. It's crazy. Because the Giants uh, were so 4-3 when Coughlin was there for so long, and then they tried to bring in 3-4 guys, and they didn't work. Well, James I mean, Betcher, we're looking at you. <laughs> As if you're a Cowboy fan, you should be very, very happy at what you've seen defensively. And if they can keep afloat and win, I don't know, two or three games, I think, I think you put yourself in a very good position um, to win and, and and get your team into the playoffs. So I, I think what we've seen so far with you know all these different teams early in the season is it's the grit. I think a lot of the, you watched on Sunday last week. You had. Arizona have grit. The Jets have grit. All these teams that came back in their games where they had no the Dolphins coming back and having grit. And that's why I think the Dolphins are going to win at home. First of all, Buffalo does not play well in Miami. They don't. You look at their record in the last 10 years, I mean... I think Miami has more wins at home against Buffalo. Buffalo's won the last two, but yes. uh, yeah, I think Miami was uh, has a slight edge before that. Well, that's because Tua wasn't healthy, and now this is a different Tua. It, it's a different Tua. I, I do I trust Tua? <laughs> no. I mean, you kind of have to after lighting up the Ravens secondary, though. That's that just doesn't happen overnight. Um, you do have wide receivers like Waddle and, and Tyreek Hill that are just unbelievable. And by the way. Jalen Waddle, man. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, I like Jalen Waddle. I didn't think he was that good. I didn't either, no. He, uh, he, I, he was my, my third receiver, and I've been bashful of Alabama wide receivers in the past. He's fantastic. But he's, yeah. He was, not that I was bad on, down on him. That the, Jeff was right about. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff was right about him. But, I, yeah, I never expected him to be this good either. Like, he is a deep route tree that's insane. He's good in motion. And he's been better at beating press, press coverage than Best, he Honestly, and I'm, I'm not blowing his head up, he's better than Tyreek Hill. I mean, he could do more than Tyreek Hill. He might be at the end of the year. Uh, he's special. I mean, uh, he's, he's fun to watch. And watching him last week, the jumps that he had, it, it was all over the place. It, it was fun. It was if you're if you're a Miami Dolphins fan, I, I think their coach is a little bit of a geek, but he's <laughs> uh, a very interesting guy. Five foot four, uh, very little to say, stutters, speech impediment, but does the guy is a genius. He, he really is. He, that team is playing for him, and this is the best Dolphins team I've seen in a long time. I mean. Maybe Tyreek Hill was right. Maybe Tyreek made the right decision of going to Miami and leaving Kansas City and taking the money. So well, so far, they're both <laughs> reaping the benefits of not having the other one there or vice versa, however you want to put it. Because uh, the Chiefs, think... Chiefs haven't lost a step offensively either. No, but the Chiefs' defense, uh, they're, they're not good. Their secondary struggled against the Chargers a little bit, fine, but their run defense is a lot better than they ever were. <laughs> yeah, I think they're going to have problems as the season prolongs. I, I do. I... I, I 
something tells me the Chiefs have not really played. And they played the Chargers, but I, I think the Chargers really weren't at their best. Um, I think the Chiefs, when they play the Chargers again, I think you're going to see a completely different Chargers team. Uh, and also, were, were they in Kansas City or were they? They were at Kansas City. Yeah. Too, yeah. I I think when they go to LA, I think it'll be a different. It's weird though. Game. It's actually yeah. it's actually the the Chargers. The few games they have won against the Chiefs recently, most of them are at at Kansas City. Oh, I know that, but I think this is a different Chargers team, and I think the Chargers uh, they just need to get healthy. And I think when they do, I, I think the Chargers are still the team to beat in their division. Now, were they? Were they I know you said they were a sleeper Super Bowl pick. Were they your actual Super Bowl pick? I don't know. If they, I don't think I didn't pick my Super Bowl pick. Okay, I don't. Th- yeah, um, I don't think you actually told me what it was. But I know Ralph Acciato was saying I had the Ravens and the Rams at the start of the year. Yeah, the and Ravens and the Rams. I had Ravens Rams at the start mm. of the year with the Ravens winning. I'm trying to. You know, I I never really looked at it to really. I only, the only reason I say that is because Ralph said he that was his Ralph Acciato said the Chargers box was his Super Bowl pick. <sighs> it's so hard. I mean, I like the Chargers. Don't get me wrong. I always pick the, the last two years. I've picked the Chargers. I mean, I know you're you're always a salivating run for the Chargers. I know. <laughs> I like the Bills this year. Okay, I like the Bills this year. I like what I've seen defensively. I like Josh Allen. If they could stay healthy and stay pretty healthy, I think the Bills come out of the AFC and the NFC. I think that. As crazy as this may seem, as of right now, something tells me Jimmy G coming back, it, it, it's given San Francisco confidence. Okay. And um, I like the Eagles, but something tells me I think the Eagles are a year away from being contenders. Um, I, 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 I like the 49ers. I, 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 think it's, I think it's Buffalo and San Francisco. In the Super Bowl okay. this year, that was literally my runner-up at both conferences. Ironically, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I think I think Jimmy G back. I think they're a different team, and and we haven't even seen George Kittle yet. Right. So um, I think their their defense is fantastic. Uh, there, and now that they have their quarterback, who I think can run their offense just as, and their offensive line is as good as any offensive line in football. So I, and I, they have weapons. Don't get me oh, wrong, yeah. they have Funny. weapons. And once. Uh, you know, once their running backs get healthy, I, I think, you know, I think they're going to be dangerous again. Mitchell will be back sometime in week seven or week eight. So, um, yeah, 49ers, Buffalo, Super Bowl. That's where I see. As of right now. Ralph Acciano at Chargers Buccaneers. All right. So, uh, that's interesting. No, it's, it's the 49ers were actually uh, what I was thinking of. I think I even said it one, one of our guests on, too. Like, that would be, like, that next team in the NFC. Uh, originally, I thought if it was Trey Lance, it would be the big season. Now he's hurt. But, yeah, they could definitely rally around Jimmy G. He's definitely always been a good locker room guy. Yeah, and I think it just there's something about him. There, his pizzazz and who he is and him taking less money to stay – the backup quarterback on yep. this team. He could have taken a starting job. I heard that they were ready to trade him to Washington, and yeah. he decided to take less and stay with San Francisco. Um, I'm not surprised, by the way, but I understand why he did it. And I think he knew that there, were, there was possibly a good chance that he was going to get a chance. And he might have saved Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch's job. Do You know, you think it would have been this year, oh, even I, if Lance bombed? Oh. If Lance didn't get them in the playoffs, at least the playoffs, I think Kyle Shannon gets fired. Okay, so you wouldn't even give him fired. a second year. Okay, I was thinking no. maybe two years, but okay. John Lynch might have his job, but but I, I think now with with Lance falling like he did, and a lot of fans think he's a failure, and he 
It was probably a waste of pick. A lot of people think that he's he's done. He might never start as the quarterback of this team again because if Jimmy G wins the Super Bowl, goes to the Super Bowl again, you can't get rid of Jimmy G. I mean, he might seek one more last payday. We'll see. Yeah, uh, he might He might have to get paid by the 49ers. Yeah. Oh, but again, we've seen Super Bowl championship teams lose players, and then the other teams will overpay them in the offseason because they just won a Super Bowl, too. So maybe Jimmy G might be on that kind of benefit, too. Where If Jimmy G wins a Super Bowl, there's no way the 49ers get rid of him. There's no I, way. I probably agree with you just the way John Lynch thinks, but I'm just saying like that market's going to be wide open just because of that. Yeah, because people are going to bid for him. Yeah, because that's what happens with Super Bowl teams a lot. Outside of the Rams and the like, the last two, the Rams stay and Buccaneers with the 49ers. have kept their players. They'll well. take the money and stay with the 49ers. But besides that, you usually see them get big paydays in other places. So don't Trey, be surprised. Trey Lance will be another. Uh, who's the guy in Green Bay? Uh, love. Love. Yeah. He'll be another love, and then eventually. Uh, Love will be disappear because he's not the guy, and Trey Lance is not the guy, and you know Kyle Shanahan will be long gone, and uh, Jimmy G will be there for another five, six years. I think Kyle Shanahan would get a job somewhere else, though, even if he does not right away. Even if he does go get by the 49ers. well, I don't know about Lynch because he's had some bad contracts, but he's had some good draft picks. I, so. I don't, I don't like what Kyle Shanahan has done, honestly. You went to a Super Bowl and an FC title game, and you still haven't won a Super Bowl. You don't know how to win a big game. And why would another team take you in right now when you're not a proven winner? You're not a winner. You didn't even win as the offensive coordinator on Washington under your father. Well, it's Washington. I'm Does anyone saying, win on Washington? I'm just saying. Remember, his father won two Super Bowls back-to-back years. His father was one of the best offensive minds of that era. And, right. you know, you, you took your father's playbook and made it into your own, and it hasn't worked. Look, you had a chance to win it with Atlanta. You choked. Okay? I'm going to say, Washington wasn't exactly the team to really do it He on. just chokes, dude. He Atl- Atlanta, win. yeah, they were a talented team. And Washington, Washington, I don't know. The, RG3, yes, he had his best season with Kyle Shanahan, understandable. And they made the playoffs that year, just edging out the Giants. But, I mean, the rest of that team was a lot of bad contracts. Their defense I'm not really talking about the going. contracts. Because right? okay. that, that every team has bad contracts. Every team has a bad contract here and here. I can name a six or seven bad contracts the Jets have, but the Jets still have money because Joe Douglas is very smart. What he does, he pays them up, up front on the top and gives them the, the, the better bonus, and then he signs them two or three years, and he gets rid of them in the second or third year, and he doesn't have to pay them, you know, or he, he looks other, way, as other ways. Right. And that's why the Jets have 40, they still 42, 43 million under the cap. And next year they can go after more players if they're a player or two away from being competitive for a playoff spot. Right. So and the, the Jets have transformed that identity well because the Jets used to be that team that gave out a lot of big free agent contracts that really bombed. And Washington was in that boat, the Raiders, a lot Even of the teams Jets. were in that boat. I mean, Robert Salas, you know, say whatever you want. I don't care what anybody says. Robert Salas, you know, he's, he's halfway in and halfway in quicksand. Uh, there's a good chance that if Robert Sala doesn't win six, seven games, he could be out. Jets might, Jet fans might want his head. We Jet fans aren't going to see want to see this another year, a third year when uh, failure. Zach Wilson's got to prove himself. That Zach Wilson is going to save those two men's jobs. Fact, no argument on that. I, I mean, 
It is so very important to make sure that this guy is a real deal. <laughs> maybe maybe Robert Sala gets fired and Kyle Shanahan gets fired, and then Kyle Shanahan coaches the I, Jets. I don't want him here. <laughs> I know you don't. I know you would not want him here. <laughs> I don't want him here. <laughs> but you you, do, you were the one who did say Kyle Shanahan was itching to draft Zach Wilson. So. He was. <laughs> so. He wanted him a lot. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's the thing that saves San Zach Francisco Wilson's career. San Francisco was reaching out to the Jets. They were trying yeah. to move up with the, the Jets. They Ironically, because that was the same thing they did to the Bear. The Bear they never wanted. <laughs> just so everybody knows, if you know it, wow, what a catch. By the way, yeah, what George Pickens. What a catch, man! Look at that catch! Wow, beautiful catch. Um, what were we talking? I'm sorry, um, uh, Zach Wilson and Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Um, everybody knows that Chi Kyle Shanahan was in love with Zach Wilson. Everybody saw that. And if Zach Wilson was the one that he drafted, Zach Wilson would have started when Jimmy G was there the year before. Yeah. He would have started. They wouldn't have waited. Right. So um, I, I think the Jets knew that that's what Kyle wanted, and the Jets wanted him. So uh, we'll see if Zach Wilson is is a prize piece or he's just a waste piece of garbage, which we've seen a lot of Jets quarterbacks turn out to be. So um, I think, and I, my, my friend Eric, we went to get some food today, and Eric says, do you think he's the real deal? I, I do. I think Zach Wilson is the real deal. I think Zach Wilson needed weapons. Garrett Wilson is a proven playmaker. Brees Hall uh, is a proven playmaker. Michael Carter, I, I think he's got weapons now, and I think he's going to be able to shine. Hopefully Conklin knows how to hold the ball and stop dropping the ball. He's dropped the ball five yeah. times in two games. Uh, that's not you, – you got a lot of money, Conklin, and if you keep dropping it when, when uh, Asuma comes back – uh, you'll be sitting on the bench and CJ or, or just blocking. Yeah, CJ Uzma might be the one that's going to be catching the ball mm -hmm. when he gets back. Yeah. he doesn't drop the ball. Yeah, or you're just going to be blocking, and CJ Uzma is going to either line up in the slot, and you're going to be like a fullback. So yeah, have fun with that. If this that's is what you want to do, Tyler. Conklin. This is a this is a very big game for Conklin, you know, because. CJ Osuma might not be playing in this game. Mm -hmm. So this might be another game. Oh, he's not going to get his revenge game against the Bengals? No. That's a shame. I don't think he's playing in this game. I don't game. know if they would even play well because the Bengals, I don't they, think they got a lot of good up the middle. So. I don't think he practiced all week. Yeah. I know he wanted to play. I know. I, I, I don't blame him for wanting to try to get the revenge game on the Bengals. I don't know if he had any ill will with them. It's just the Jets. And I haven't heard anything with Dwayne Brown either. I, I'm very surprised. No, he's still on IR. He's not going to play the next two weeks at least because he's only eligible to come back week five. Well, it sucks because now the Jets don't have a, you know. Mit, uh, by the way, Max Mitchell has had a fantastic two games. Yeah. You can't ask any more from uh, a fourth-round, you know, tackle who wasn't even – everybody thought wasn't ready, you know. But say whatever you want. Look at the pass rushes he had to deal with the last two weeks, and he's played very well. I – I've been very impressed with him. I think he's the future right tackle of this team. I, I, I think Makai Beckham is going to get his chance next year. If he fails or he can't stay healthy, that will be the end of him. Uh, Dwayne Brown will be back for one more year. They signed him. Font will be gone. They're not going to bring Font back. Why, put, why invest the money in him when you can invest the money somewhere else uh, when you have uh, two young tackles and maybe another tackle that you might be drafting in, in the offseason next year? which a lot of people think that they sure. might do, yeah. bringing in another tackle, because that's what Joe Douglas is trying to do. He's trying to solidify that, that trenches that's going to protect their franchise. Mm -hmm. So I think they need a pass rusher. It's, they're a desperate need for one. Yeah. Carl Lawson has not been good. Okay, I don't care if he had a sack last week. 
I think Jermaine Johnson will be the guy. I think he'll he'll figure things out. It's going to take him a little while. Yeah. Um, but we've seen glimpses of good football by Jermaine Johnson. I just think he's a, a year or two years away. He's not a Micah Parsons yeah. that has that lightning speed at the edge right. that can get at you. One, two, three. Well, he, he always has the size, the speed. The question is with the size, too, with Jermaine Johnson. You know, Jermaine Johnson doesn't have Micah yeah, that's Parsons where speed. I think that's where I think he's... Micah Parsons not beating... I'm not talking about Micah Parsons. He's beating like, Tyreek Hill in races. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, no. Micah Parsons is a whole different animal. Like, that's a whole different skill altogether. Because, again, he's not just a true pass rusher. He's a linebacker. He's a safety. He can cover. Like, he's massive. Jermaine Johnson's a speed rusher type. But, again, his his... Concern why he wasn't like that third guy, that obvious top ten pick when it came to the number of the top ten of the draft was because he wasn't great with the bull rushing and the power stuff as much. And we've kind of seen that so far too, where a lot of these teams have schemed him away from the edge and be able to block him. Now, the one thing I think Jermaine Johnson's done well in so far is both screen defending and like exotic run tackling. I think that's where he's done well. The problem is if he's not going to do well as a raw pass rusher, he's not going to get the same amount of reps in Robert Sala's system. No. Especially with Clemens now there too. And Clemens just look good. Yeah, and I think Clemens shining the way he did in the preseason too, that's definitely got to put light a fire on Jermaine Johnson to to get the reps that he wants. I'm not talking about just the raw starting spot because Robert Sala's going to rotate guys anyway. That's what the This has been a great too. draft for Robert Sala. Yeah. I mean, it's been great. I mean, Brees Hall, Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson has shown uh, you know glimpses. Clemens has shown glimpses in, in the rotation. And then Max Mitchell. I mean, come on, man. You have – Five, six guys that could be starters on this team for many, many years to come. Mm-hmm. And that's something you want to see because his last drafts have not been so good. Right. So and, and Again, you're going to see a case where Jermaine Johnson will get his time to be able to do that. Too. His once, first draft. Once, his second one, draft was good. Yeah, 2021 was good. Yeah. But, yeah, 2020 had kind of hit or miss throughout that draft. Bryce Hall looks good. And, again, obviously, Mackay Beckton, when he's healthy, was I don't know. Good, Bryce but... Hall looked good last year. He has not looked good since the preseason. Uh I mean, he's been horrible. Every time he's out there, teams are attacking him. I think the smartest thing to do is to move Bryce Hall to the safety position. I think his size and his ability, I think he the, the Jets are weak over there. I, I just think Joyner is not to look good, and I, Whitehead has been... Honestly, not good either. I think Whitehead's kind of been misused so far. I think he's more of a box safety trying to be used too deep a lot of the time. And that's why I worked for the Buccaneers because they were an attacking blitz-type defense and they could use him as a kind of a run-stopping type safety where I think the Jets have played him too deep so far. And Joyner, I think, is more of a – he's good in the slot corner. I never liked him as a raw safety. He struggled with the Rams there too, even Wade Phillips' defense, which I don't like that either. So maybe Price Hall worth a shot there. but I would do it. I would move him there. I think – I mean, they brought Parks back, but I uh, Parks. He's more of a special team yeah, guy. Yeah, I think I, I think take take a you know, you know, move him to the safety position. You have so many. I mean, Eccles looked good too when they brought him yeah. in. When Garner, I maybe move Eccles to the safety position. I mean, he's fast. He's cutting. Uh, I think he he gets in the you know he's mischievous. He gets out there in the open field. He could do a lot of things with the ball. Maybe put him there. You have so many good corners. On your roster, use it. Here's yeah. another thing worth considering too. Now, obviously, Robert Sala sticks to the four man rush a lot of the time too. But 
in a formation where they would only have four four rushers, or maybe they add an extra blitzer, maybe they drop another defensive end back or something like that. It's a blitzer. Quan Alexander too could be a guy that could be move around like that too. Maybe put him back and just leave Mosley in the they middle need too. Him. They need him for the run stopping. No, I mean like for third down and yeah. stuff like that. They, I, I'm they, not talking about yeah four three defense. I agree with you. He he's the best run stopper on that team. Yeah, he is, uh, and you could see it in the games. I mean, when he's out there clogging up the middle, they're not. Uh, the Browns had problems running the ball. Yeah. When he was – where they were moving him on the outside and moving him in the open, you know, open field, right. guarding the tight ends, uh, the Jets couldn't – and maybe because Quentin Williams isn't healthy. I, I don't know what's going on with Quentin. Most either. of the Browns' runs, though, were outside, though, not really as much inside. I don't think the Quentin Williams injury would have made that much of a difference. I think what they did, what the Browns did, is they, once they started to do more exotic blocks to, to take out Quan Alexander, they just ran the other way or they cut back. Mm. It's so It's so interesting right now. The way football is, and, and and some of these, we don't know what these teams are. No, nope. we don't. And the question is, we're gonna find out who they are in week four and five, because I think by five, week five, we're gonna know who these these teams are and who's gonna compete and who's not competing. It, it's pretty simple. Uh, I think the Giants are gonna have a chance because of their schedule. Like you heard uh, Vacchiano say, I think he he believes that. Uh, the Giants are going to compete because of the schedule. They didn't beat anybody good. And no, not great. Not, no great teams yet, but I, I like the grit that the Giants have, and they're finally actually coaching very well for the first time in a while. And I think they're going to have problems against the Cowboys because they're going to be able to put a rush on them. And uh, Carolina is not a powerhouse defense. They're just not. Not anymore, yeah, at least. they've been down this year. Not sure. anymore, at least. I, the, the Cowboys are. That's their strength. And I think they're going to be able to put pressure up the middle, and on the on the edges with, you know, Daniel Jones. Daniel mm-hmm. Jones is going to be running for his dear life. Yep, and that's where Brian Dable's going to have to scheme away from Parsons too. Maybe make him a decoy. And but again, his versatility is going to make it so hard for that kind of thing to happen. So that'll be a big test for Dable this week to be able to do. Because yes, Daniel Jones, when he senses pressure and doesn't do it well, he fumbles a lot, and that's a big problem. Now. Obviously, last week, what you saw with the Bengals, Joe Burrow was running for his life a lot of the time, too, but you did not see Zach Taylor kind of scheme away from that pass rush, and as a result, the line really got exposed. Brian Dable's done a good job so Cincinnati's far. De- Cincinnati's offensive line was supposed to be better than the Giants. It yeah. was supposed to be better than the Giants. I mean, yeah, the Giants' offensive line didn't have much And it's not. And right now, it's not. No. So I, I, I think that has a lot to do with the, de- the defenses that the Bengals have played this year. And I think the Bengals' defense will be able to contain the Jets from getting to Burrow. Yeah. And that's why Burrow is going to have a game. I think Flacco is going to be able to put up numbers, too. I, I, I do. I, Garrett, it's going to be hard for them to stop Garrett Wilson. I think Garrett Wilson's confident. I think they're confident with him. I think they're going to continue throwing him the ball. And if they don't, they're going to try to double-team him, and it's going to open up the field for the That's other That's what I think is going to happen. I think Garrett Wilson's going to get his. I think the Bengals have some matchup advantages elsewhere that they're going to be able to just win on their talent. Because their front seven's still pretty good, and their run defense has been good this year for the Bengals. That's where I think it'll be a little harder for the Jets. I think, I think, the, I think the Jets are going to be able to stop the, the offensive. They're not going to be able to stop Mixon because they haven't stopped any running back yet. Yeah. But I think they're going to be able to stop Jamar Chase because they'll stick either Reed or obviously Gardner on Jamar Chase where they're going to contain him. And then uh, what's his name again? Um, Higgins. Higgins. Boyd, yeah. uh, T. Higgins, who I like a lot. I think they put either uh, – I think Boyd, they'll put him in a slot. But I think the Jets could put somebody in a slot like Michael Carter if he's 100% healthy. And he's coming back this week. I, I, did he play last week? I don't. He played. He, he played, but he got hurt in the game. Yeah. And, and I'm not if sure. If Michael Carter plays in this game, I think they'll be able to contain 
Boyd. I I think it's going to be Mixon. This is going to be a game where Mixon and Burrow, you know, at the end of the game, the Jets, if they're down, they're, they choke and they make mistakes and, yeah. uh, you know, and that, that's the problem. But if, if the Jets get the lead early and be able to play with the lead and be able to run the ball with Brees Hall and Michael Carter, which they started to do against the Browns in the second half of the game, I think the Bengals are going to have problems with them. I, I do. I, I, I think I think the Jets could win this game. I really do. I The Jets got to go out there and prove it because could you imagine the Bengals go 0-3? Yeah. No team. I, I think there was like, what, three teams in history, you know, in the yeah. – you know, that's the, made, the that made the playoffs. So start, starting, play, over. starting 0-3. Especially the powerhouse, the AFC. Yeah, I think there's only five in NFL history or something. Like I, I don't think the Bengals. The Chargers were the last one in 2013. If the Bengals go 0 and 3, they don't win. They're, they're not making the playoffs. Just yeah, and it, like even rarity, like in that, you start one and four. It's very hard. One and five. There were two teams that made it one and five in 2015. That was the Texans and the Chiefs. Both came back from that, and then that was it. Like it's even harder from that, even as you get the sample down the That's road. That's why so. I'm worried about the Bengals. For the Jets, because I the Bengals are going. If the Bengals won against the Cowboys, it's not as important to lose against the Jets. Something tells me they're going to go into this game, and and I wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals light it up and Joe Burrow throws four hundred yards in this game because the Jets lay up a lousy goose egg. I think what what Sala needs to do is make sure that they're watching, you know, watching the the film. And they understand where their players are because Jamar Chase did not have a good game last week against Pittsburgh. He did not. So, I mean, I'm sorry, not Pittsburgh. Dallas. Uh, Dallas. He did not play a good game against Dallas, even though he had a touchdown in that game, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he did. But, um, but yeah, he had, he had to be moved around. He was kind of used more of a decoy. Even against Pittsburgh, he didn't really He play. got going in the second half. Yeah, he struggled but, in the first. Yeah, he didn't play well in that game either. So, I mean, Jamar Chase, even though it's two games in, he hasn't. he didn't have the – the beginning of the season that he had last year. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, we. I think anyone, statistically speaking, is going to expect somewhat of a letdown after his monstrous record-setting rookie year. But, yeah, it's been more tougher for him this year where he's going to get a lot more attention. And you so, you've seen that so far with Dan Quinn doing a great job scheming against him. And, again, that's going to be up to Zach Taylor to be able to move him around. He did well moving him around a lot in the second half last year when he had a little bit of that mini slump after the bye week. And they're going to have to start doing that again because these better defensive coaching staffs are starting to figure out. you got Brian Flores and Mike Tomlin on the Steelers' end, and then you got Dan Quinn who's done a nice job on Dallas's end too. So that's going to be a tough test for Zach Taylor, who I've been critical of in the past to be able to prove himself to make the leap for the Bengals to be able to come back. Because the Bengals weren't great in the beginning of the year last year. They came along kind of in the middle of the season. So – there's still obviously some hope, but 0-2, definitely not promising the way they look and their offensive line looks so far this year. And you, Mr. Zach Taylor, coaching-wise. Richard Sherman is with Prime. I sub- uh, oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, I, I knew Fitzpatrick and Whitworth were there, but yeah, Richard Sherman, I guess, is too Fitzpatrick, I, I, I have a feeling Fitzpatrick's career is not over. I think if, yeah, if, I can if, believe that too. if a team needs a quarterback sometime as the season progressively moves and they lose their – their starter. I could mm-hmm. see Ryan Fitzpatrick I, coming yeah. out of retirement. I wouldn't rule it out either. Why you know, not? I like Ryan. Of it, course, everybody does. I like Ryan. <laughs> I think he's very funny. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to be a very good analyst. I, I really do. And I, 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 I like him. 
I, Richard Sherman's interesting too. He's I'd love to see like I'd love to see like Ryan Fitzpatrick like have something like the Manning cast. I think he'd be great with that because <laughs> I think he's got a great personality. Well, Rich, Richard so. doesn't shut up. Well, so. obviously Richard doesn't shut up. Yeah, <laughs> but Ryan Fitzpatrick I like and and I love Tony Gonzalez. I love him mm-hmm. so and. Uh, Tony obviously didn't work out. I think he was with Fox, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he was a studio analyst with Fox, so I guess the yeah. Prime must have swooped him up from that. But no, he wasn't there anymore. I think they let go of him. And, oh, they did. Okay, yeah. Before that. Okay. So I, I like Tony, and I, I I love what they're doing right now. So um, Prime, I, Prime's starting to dominate. They, they, I'm hearing they're trying to take over Sundays too. Mm. That's gonna that's gonna be terrible. You know, because if you don't have Amazon Prime, you can't watch the games. Yeah, you need somebody who can stream. What happens if you don't have a smart TV? You know, you'll have to plug it in like my computer is. Yeah, I mean that sucks. (laughs) If you don't have an HDMI cord, yeah, that could be a trouble too. Well, they're talking about the Jets right now. So, anyways, um, that's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. I love. I I would really like to thank um, Fox Sports NFC East reporter Ralph Vacchiano, who joined us. He was fantastic. Uh, one of the more, like I said, one of the more respectable guys, analysts and reporters in the NFL. So uh, good good get for you, Speedy. Um, and also, uh, I'd like to thank uh, Sean Negron, uh, Yankees podcaster, MMA specialist. Loved uh, him, too. He was a very nice guy. He knows his stuff. So thank you to Sean for joining us and giving us the hour of time uh, to bore uh, – for us to bore him. But <laughs> – I mean, uh, but uh, being fun. You got your full Conor McGregor story in. There you go. I mean, whatever. Um, Yeah. Uh, We will be back next week on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. We have a bunch of guests. Uh, Speedy, who do we have Wednesday? Uh, Returning to the show, your favorite Rangers guest, Anthony Scultore from Forever Blue Shirts. He'll be on at 730, so you guys will probably argue about something again. And then at 8 o'clock, we have a CBS Sports MLB writer, uh, James Anderson, will be joining us. There you go. And then Thursday, we're going to have... Um, the return of John Daigle. John Daigle, and we're gonna have uh, Derek. What was it? I'm sorry. It's your guy. I had Derek Mountain. You said Derek his name? Mountain. Yeah, Brian Mountain, uh, my agent's uh, brother. So, uh, okay. who is a specialist of the NFL? So, I'm looking forward to getting Derek on the show. I, I I've heard Brian tells me that that his brother is so very knowledgeable in the NFL and college football. Um, I'm interested to in seeing. Uh, entailed uh you know his personality and what 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 he's all about so where is kenny when we need him (laughs) who knows where kenny is he's either chasing geese or trying to climb a mountain maybe he's eating a muffin maybe he's eating your muffin maybe maybe he's eating a wax infused muffin maybe he's sticking one of those cupcakes up as you know what (laughs) probably is and then snug you would be eating it yes oh snug would eat an art bitch without question up is you know what Uh uh-huh you oh, Snug, Snug, Snug loves Kenny. He would do anything with Kenny. I do not think Snug would be. Oh, uh, I don't know. I would rule it out with Snug. Snug eating a cupcake up, uh, you know, Mr. Caboose himself. I don't think so. I don't know. He, he seems pretty infatuated with Kenny. So that would know. be interesting. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that would be something that you would not, Could not, you not, not, not enjoy to watch, but enjoy to talk about. Oh, he snug says, nah, Kenny is smoking a cupcake <laughs> as we speak. Oh, he might be. Yeah, he probably is. He probably, or he, he's smoking and then eating all your cupcakes because he's hungry. You know, I mean. Of course. Every time we see Kenny, he's, he, he's high or something. 
It's all in the wax. Uh, yep. And Snug says, I love all things of Kenny. Yep. That's the first. You know, I was supposed to get my artwork from him. I never got it. Of course. It's, everything Kenny's supposed to say is long overdue. I never get it. Thank you, Kenny. <laughs> Thank you for not giving me the artwork. But, uh, uh, yeah, Kenny, I miss you. I, I just, every time he calls the show, it, it's just like, I'm waiting for the stupidness to come out of him. Oh, God. Snug says Lyle and Kenny need to get together. That would oh. be... God. That would be interesting. Shout out to Lyle, too. Lyle. All right. Uh, you can enjoy that. Josh Lyle's, and I will pass. Lyle's been dealing with a lot of stuff himself. Uh, oh, okay. Like, mm. You know, I want to give a shout out to Lyle. He's been dealing with it, and we're here for you, bud. Um, yeah. You have to call Kenny. He forgets about the show. No, I don't think he forgets about the show. I think what the problem with Kenny is, I think he's so high by the end of the show or by the middle of the show, he's sleeping or he's guzzling down his water or what he says is to be water. So, And then, and then we'll ask him about analyzing the two Giants games and he'll analyze players from 2019. <laughs> Kenny's an interesting dude. Man. Yep. I mean, he still probably thinks Eli Manning's a starting quarterback for the Giants. Yep. So. Uh, uh, Victor Cruz just caught his first touchdown of the season. Good job. <laughs> probably. Anyways, uh, that's it for our show. Check out The Weekend Crunch on 103.9 FM. Every Saturday at 7 p.m. Uh, if you don't live here on the island within an 80-mile radius, well, you can listen to the show live on LI News Radio. On, Speedy? 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Well, you can't listen to that. iHeartRadio. If you're outside of the state of New York or out of Long Island, you can go on iHeartRadio and find LI News Radio. On 7 o'clock. Snuck says, Snuck says Ron Dane ran for 150 last week. Oh, I don't know if Ron Dane ran for 150 in a month. I, I think Giants. Ron Dane weighs about 400 pounds. <laughs> I mean, I, I, he was overweight when he was playing for the Giants, and he's probably overweight right right now. And now we know where Eddie Lacy got it. Yes, Maybe he's sir. hanging out with Ron Dane. Mm -hmm. A uh, Wisconsin college running back and a Wisconsin NFL running back. Eddie what Lacy. Snug says, if you're on the LA at 7 a.m., Earl and the Beave run nude into the city? Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah. You, did, you did bring it up with Josh Towers. Yeah, if I lose. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not going to lose. <sighs> you know? What was the bet, anyways? I don't even remember. What do you talk about yourself naked running? I usually zone out. <laughs> yeah, well, you like to zone out. I mean, for other reasons. But anyways. Uh, we will be back. On Wednesday. Until then, this is Errol Marks and Speedy PD saying we are out. We out. We out. We out. We out. We out. Good night. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Ranger Station, Ranger speaking. Hi, um. 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 Ranger speaking. Hi.